You ready? Yep. What do we even call this? It's been so long. MNC Watchdoll House? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am doll eyes, doll mouth, doll legs. I am doll arms, big veins, doll bangs. Welcome to MNC Watchdoll House. A podcast where Emily and I are watching Dollhouse for the first time. Uh, today we are going to be talking about Stop Loss and The Attic. I'm Sue. I'm Em. And hi, I'm Newcast. I want to be the girl with the most cake. I love him so much it just turns to have a guest with us i've crashed the podcast <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> uninvited crashing yes yes um quick explanation <laughs> we recorded this on a regular day in a regular week where we would normally record the next podcast and we for the second week in a row we had a double recording failure yep and sue and i were put out to say the least we just ended we we were so mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah we actually didn't even finish because we figured something crashed or whatever so we had to recall each other and we're like you know let's just check <laughs> i think we, <laughs> we were just getting check. into the attic and we were like mine didn't record yours didn't record nope yeah we were like we either start over <laughs> right now <laughs> Just do it all again right now. Or we and we just we're like, no, I can't, I can't mentally handle this. Nope. Cause as everybody knows, it happened to us the time before, and we don't like this. We do not like redoing. Nope. Anyway, terribly busy time for both of us, and we got the idea to bring in a guest, like we've done a few times with Sue watches Buffy when we had a crash. Just to mix up the conversation a little bit. So we invited Nutras. And then we've had <laughs> scheduling problems and uh, strokes. <laughs> yeah, we had a... We didn't have strokes. Yeah, we had a time scheduled. And then like at the last minute, like within an hour, I had to bug out because... A good friend of ours had a, a stroke, and we had to run to the hospital. But we rescheduled, and now here we are. And and he's doing better, right? He's doing way good, yep. Home. Excellent. Home and on the road to recovery. Awesome. He can walk and talk and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Good, good. Yep. So, yep. We're out of the scariness. Yay. Yep. So, yeah. So, here we are, like, two or three weeks later. 
<laughs> so it'll almost be like you didn't podcast this already. I know. <laughs> Seriously, it's been so long. In fact, we were like, if Nutty can't make it, I think it'll be okay because I, think it'll be okay. I forgot yep. everything. Yep, same. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, I don't, don't even remember what I said. Yep. But, yeah. Since then, life is good. Em and I went to Neil Young concert. And that was amazing. Envy. Oh. That was fun. Oh, yeah. He's a fellow Canadian. Well, you're not Canadian. You just live in Canada, right? Right. Right. Okay. I am a resident, a permanent resident of Canada. Okay. Well, you can, you can claim him. <laughs> yes. I still claim him. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of like to straddle the border because I get to <laughs> talk all American and I can talk all Canadian, too. And, uh, yeah. You get <laughs> the, the best, best involved. Yeah, you can like look at the debates and all of that with just like a or <laughs> whatever's going on with the election with just like this. Yep, <laughs> not just, my country. Yeah, I can definitely shake my head, and uh, I can I see a lot of media from outside of the United States, which is colored very differently. Mm. Um, the way things are reported on in the United States are very different from outside like i mean there have been many memes where you'll see the cover of time is for each week is completely different depending on if you're in the u.s or outside interesting yeah and uh so it's 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 a it's a view that i think uh, a lot of people could um benefit from yeah sure i'm i'm a huge fan of canada actually i <laughs> there was a podcast i listened to about the making a murderer you know the Steve Avery mm-hmm. stuff, and it was a a prosecuting lawyer and her husband, who's also a lawyer, and then her mom, who's a judge in Canada. And oh, man, neat. the way that they like dissected the whole trial of Steve Avery and how that would have gone in Canada or what wouldn't have been allowed in Canada, I was like, I want to live in Canada. Like, <laughs> now I kind of want to listen to that just because that sounds so fascinating. It's to called me. the docket. The docket. Okay. Yeah. I and... I love getting like behind the scenes info from you know like an expert. Like whenever mm-hmm. whenever Harold explains something from the legal side, right? I'm just right. fascinated. Or whenever Moira explains something from the medical side, I am fascinated. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's good to have a professional. Yeah. Yes, and they both have this way of speaking in lay terms so that you can understand it. Yeah, yeah. this husband and wife, they were fantastic, and I think it was her mom that was a judge. She's on, it's like an eight episode, or, you know, oh, they just nice. kind of talked about each episode of Making a Murderer and, like, how that would not have been allowed in Canada. Like, I guess, like, even... Um, like, it's not even supposed to be on the news when there's a trial. Right. Like, so, like, that whole stupid press conference that that defense lawyer did, mm-hmm. that would have just mm-hmm. been, no way would that have happened, you know? <laughs> well, and technically, you could argue that that's not supposed to happen in the U.S. either. No, it's and not. And <laughs> that can be used on appeal. I mean, so far as I know, I mean, because that can be considered, you know, poisoning the jury pool and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, like... I didn't finish making a murderer, 
but I might finish it just to listen to that podcast because I love stuff like that. Um, but there were like a lot of things that happened there that I'm thinking that's not how it's supposed to work either. But yeah, how but... things are supposed to work and how they actually work are two different things. Yeah. It seems so in the U.S. Canada seems a little bit better at that. Yeah, they're, 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 it, it can be. It can be. And uh, that actually relates to this first episode, <laughs> which I'll get into later. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, should we get right well, into feedback then? Well, before we move on, I'd just like to put it out there for anybody. If you need an expert on Radiohead or bra finning, you can come to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was the second one? Bra fitting. Awesome. A, that is something a... you need an expert for. Oh, it is. <laughs> People don't know how to wear them. Everyone's wearing, yeah. well, what is it? I think like one in six wear the right size. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and sizes are not what you think they are because the media has distorted what a size actually is. And uh, yes, top sizes and... change depending on the band. And yes, they do. And Victoria's Secret is a major mm-hmm. component of that. Yes. Don't ever get fit at Victoria's Secret. No. It will not be in your best interest. It'll be in theirs. And a little old lady. Interesting. And some mom and pop store. <laughs> very easily. <laughs> yeah, or you know, even the big department stores. Yeah. Although I've I've read quite a few uh, really good articles on. Um, how to fit yourself and a couple of different ways of doing it and they're awesome. And then it's you've not got the super whole other... hard. No, it's not. And then you have the whole problem of um, two brands, same band, same cup size can be drastically different mm. also. That is true. Vanity sizing has come to Brazier's. <laughs> but a measuring tape will tell you most of what you need to know. Exactly, yes. And yep. trying them on, of course. Yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> and the guys listening to this, or the uh, listeners without breasts uh, listening to this, are going, uh-huh, uh-huh, move on, move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try telling men you work at a lingerie store. You get you get asked three different questions. Well, they all think that they're clever and they're the first ones to ask you. <laughs> what are the three questions? Can you fit me? What size do you wear? And do you do you model the lingerie? <laughs> oh my oh god. <laughs> I did not expect the um can you fit me? Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's a, I'm funny. <laughs> They're all, I'm funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. What size do you wear? Can you model them? <laughs> I expected the, do you model them? I really did expect yeah. that one. Do you, do you wear the lingerie? Or oh. do you, yeah, what, do you Anyone who's them? ever been a waitress, which most of us have been, have always been asked, are you on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> My answer to that as a waitress was not appreciated. <laughs> yes, it's my fist down your throat and I'd better get a good tip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they didn't like that one. 
Yep. They're so clever. I know. <laughs> yeah, servers get uh, other questions. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. On that note. <laughs> should we? <laughs> You're reading Harold, right? Yep. That's All what right. we do, correct? We start with feedback. Yes. I know it's been too long. <laughs> Okay, so Harold says um, both of these episodes demonstrate how ruthless and dangerous Rossum has become. Google tells me that one definition of stop loss is denoting or relating to a policy of forcibly retaining members of the armed forces on active duty beyond their original agreed period of enlistment. So that fits. Until I read that, I was thinking along Sue's lines, that it was about loss prevention. It works either way, because Rossum is intent on keeping Anthony slash Victor as part of the organization, instead of allowing him to get on with his life. Yeah, it's interesting. So if you're familiar with that, if you've been a member of the armed forces, and that's just a very, I, I'm not even sure that's like a word that's thrown about often, like mm -hmm. AWOL or something. Yeah, it's... It's actually so this is where I was going to come in with the how things are supposed to work and how they uh, end up actually working sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of that. Uh, this episode, I believe, was written because of the time that it was written in. This was happening a lot to uh, U.S. servicemen. I mm -hmm. know quite a few of them particularly. You know, their contract was up, but nope, you've been trained. You're going. You're going overseas and we're oh, just wow. keeping you in. And wow. that was happening a lot. And I think it doesn't say on the the trivia that I have, but the, the way that it's mentioned, it's pretty clear that Joss kind of wrote this in response to that. But this was a this was a thing that was happening, um, especially it was happening uh, more noticeably for those in the National Guard, like reservists in the National Guard uh, were being sent overseas more and more than they had ever expected that they would. And it didn't matter if their contract ended or not, um, how long they had been home and so forth. But also there were many people, you know, because they, uh, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe the initial contract uh, is five years. Mm -hmm. And so many people would have uh, signed that five-year contract and their five years are coming to an end, but their tour won't be over. So they have to continue. And uh, the tours for U.S. servicemen were pretty long. Um, some of them would go, you know, up to a year, sometimes longer than a year. Um, and uh, and that was that was a pretty big problem. It was a big hardship for a lot of families. Well, that's interesting that I. Yeah. So because we just don't have military people in our family at mm -hmm. all. No, I mean, our dad was in the Marines long ago, but... Yeah, and how that worked back then is completely yeah. different from how it was working with Iraq and Afghanistan. Right, so this, yeah. I mean, this show is, this, we're talking like 2009, 2010 or so at this point? Um, In the attic, Echo says 2010 is the year. Okay. When she's so, up in the attic. Already yeah, it was it was point... aired 2009. So uh, oh. 2010 probably aired uh, January 2010. So there you go. So already at that point, the war had gone on longer than any of us yeah. thought it would after 9-11. Exactly. You know, yeah. 
Interesting. And uh, and at that point, it was a war on two fronts. Yeah. And uh, this this stop loss was pretty much a thing that had been happening. Um, I think it was more towards the tail end of it happening, though. Mm-hmm. Um, if if memory serves me correctly, like things were starting to come down uh, at that point, but it had been going for so long, and there had been so. I mean, I I know people all over the country that had. Um, you know, it's it's they they ended up while they were overseas, their families had to sell their home and move someplace else because they just didn't have the the regular income coming in uh, if they were reservists because their income from their job was higher than their reserve pay. Wow. And then I know a, a podcaster who was stationed out of Alaska and he ended up going like a full tour over his uh initial contract time Hmm. because if he didn't go they didn't have the right number and it would have ruined the deployment so they just right yes you stay the people that do like the army reserve and stuff they don't expect to go to war they expect especially not then (laughs) yeah they expect to help out when like a state's been flooded or you know and especially the national guardsmen yeah like when i was in university uh i was in university in um the late nineties and I knew quite a few people that were joining the reserves. It's a great way to get the GI bill and things like that. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people were like, Oh, and I'll join the national guard. And so I'll be here for emergencies and I'll do this and I'll do that. Right. And m- most people that join the military, they, there wasn't this concept of like going over for a prolonged action. Right. There were right. short things that were done you know, little, little deployments, but they, it was a, it was a very different mindset. And even the last time there was a big deployment, most of the country didn't really know too much about it. I mean, most people didn't know what was going on in Bosnia. So it wasn't part of the public consciousness. Right, right. And so Afghanistan and Iraq was the, the, it changed. Everything has changed. Our view of the military has changed and our view of military service has changed. So it was a big surprise for a lot of them. Interesting. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I didn't know any of that. I caught the subtle, not so subtle thing, you know, Joss Whedon was doing with the group thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. now that I did not know. Hmm. Okay, so he goes on <laughs> back to, to say, back to Harold. <laughs> um, of course, Rossum is not just working on perfecting their doll technology. They are also creating a drone army. You can easily imagine squads of these drones roaming around the Epitaph 1 landscape. Totally. Mm-hmm. He says, I wonder... I kind of wonder if Anthony joins the army so quickly because he was secretly imprinted to do so. Or maybe he was just lonely and missed the army life. Especially since his post-traumatic stress was fixed by Topher. Yeah, I guess that's possible. I didn't get that. I just, I kind of have seen in my life and through entertainment that soldiers have a hard time letting that go. Mm-hmm. The mentality right. of the army and what it's like, 
going kind to war and being soldier, there. Always a soldier. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I... it's hard to come back to civilization and be a civilian. And so the second someone, especially people, he knew some of them. They were from his. Yeah. They were from his like squad or whatever. And and plus, so he he does a deployment, comes back, has PTSD, becomes a doll. And then he's done his five years as the doll, and then he's just like let loose. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's... and he doesn't remember those years. Those were a blink of an eye for him. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, like he he doesn't have maybe the flashbacks, but he's still missing the structure. The structure. He's still exactly. missing the being told what to do. Um, you know, and I I hate to equate it to this because uh, it might offend some people, but it's much like coming out of prison, coming out of a mental institution, coming out of many things that is so severely structured, being given all of this freedom and being told, okay, do what you want with your life is incredibly hard when oh, you yeah. don't know how and you don't have the skills. And I'm not saying that being in the military is like being in prison or in an institution. I'm just saying that with the the way, uh, the routine of it. Uh, Absolutely. And, well, it's and, got the same similarities. Yeah. Someone's telling you when to eat, when to go what to bed, to when to do this, when to do that, you know. And so your brain a... can get really adjusted to that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and there's a huge difference between the military world and the civilian world. And in right. just like the littlest of things, um, I was doing for a while, I was writing resumes for uh, troops that were retiring. And they they had no concept of writing a resume of how to do an interview. And so when we would do a practice interview, the answers that they would give would be great for the military, but are not helpful at all in the civilian world. <laughs> so, I mean, just little things like that. And so for him, you know, going in and going into the, uh, the hotel and being able to sleep and do all of these things in right. this comfy, luscious thing is, is, just too stressful and it it's not that the PTSD can uh wasn't fixed it's that that other side is still a problem right right i mean anyone who lives in a bubble whether it's a prison bubble military bubble whatever kind of bubble once that bubble's gone yep how can you expect them to just blend right in (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. I mean yeah it's well I can tell you going from having a you know a large house with tons of people in it because I grew up in a large family uh, nine kids here uh, to living alone it takes some adjusting (laughs) absolutely hey we Emma Emma and I come from seven I know that's one of the things that I love listening to you too plus we had like foster kids and cousins that lived with us so uh-huh. yeah. it wasn't just the seven of us. There was always yep. one or two other people. A stray. A stray that the home. There. <laughs> a Large kid. families just pull people in. They do. <laughs> well, it's so funny. It's what like, we do. Like, I am so good at just tuning out everything. Mm-hmm. That people who grew up in small families don't get it because I just don't hear other stuff. Because I just learned yep. growing up in a big family. You just kind of tune everything out because there's constant <laughs> noise. <laughs> there's yeah, you, 
and you, you can know. handle the noise. You are used to having to jump into a conversation. Yeah. Uh, following three conversations at one table. Uh, yep. Lots of skills like that, and, and the poor, the poor people that uh, fall in love with us and have to be introduced to the family. Oh, I, I feel oh, bad I know. for that. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, the ability to like concentrate on your homework mm-hmm. while you've got like five other people doing other stuff around you. Yep. That's a skill. That's a skill I've got. You know. Yeah. So going to like you know an apartment. Yeah. There's nobody there. Yeah. And there's no noises. So that's probably I can understand why I almost always have to have like either when I'm alone, I almost always have to have either the TV on or music or something. Mm-hmm. I can't stand silence. You're like a cat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, Harold's... Harold says, I think it's ab- it, I think it feels absolutely correct that Adele would hire out Roger slash Victor for one last engagement before he is released from his contract. It is nice to know that Adele honors these contracts, even if Rossum doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expected it, but <laughs> it, yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> one last little fling. Yeah. Um, he says, I agree with what you said in the last podcast that the Sierra Victor coupling works, and I'm glad that the show recognizes that. I think they know that there aren't any sparks between Echo and Ballard. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> there aren't. <laughs> I'm not opposed to them. I just, yeah. I just don't care. I just don't care about Echo and Ballard as a couple. Do they have, so Nutty, this is something great, um, having you on here. We've never had someone that's seen the show or knows the fandom and all. Are there people that really shipped them? I know, I did. It was, uh, we're talking about, sorry, uh, Victor and Sierra? or no, Echo mean... and Ballard. Oh, nobody cared about that. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got confused for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think anyone really cared about them, um, except the writers. Uh, I never really felt why, you know, like I didn't get their relationship. I, I got that he was drawn to her, but mm-hmm. I would think that I'd just be creeped out <laughs> by, by that kind of attraction. Um, I, I, not romance, but definitely like uh, uh, platonic shipping of yes. Echo and Boyd for sure. Yeah. And I was more about that. And so having Ballard be so close to Echo uh, in season two was obnoxious to me because I wanted Echo and Boyd to be together. Yeah, I thought that was a little rotten that the show built that up and you know, gave us like Buffy Giles feels and then mm-hmm. ripped them apart. Yeah. But keep watching. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, I, I would have more to say, but keep watching. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I never got the whole Ballard echo thing. And I just... there's just no chemistry. I don't know. It just, it seems so pushed on us. Yeah. And I've been so saying weird. that since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird because you can feel the chemistry between Victor and Sierra. 
You yeah. can even feel chemistry between um, Ivy and uh, Topher, you know, and or right. Topher and uh, DeWitt. Again, not romantic, but, you know, sometimes there's there's chemistry that is not romantic. Right. And, and there's all this other chemistry that you can feel, but I just, I never got it. <laughs> yeah, see, I'd be all over, like, a Echo and Ballard being, because I like it when they're, like, partners, like, mm-hmm. FBI partners, but the romantic stuff, I just, I don't feel it at all. No. I just don't. Um, he says, the, by the only way I can explain it in mm-hmm. my head, and this is me coming up, you know, forcing myself to come up with something, is um, so she has all of those personalities in her head, and many of the personalities were designed to love someone, and that that collective uh, romantic programming is making her attached to someone because it has to be used somewhere. That's the only way that I can explain it. But that's me working really hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of a stretch. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she could also have that, I don't know, if that's what they're going for, she could have done that with Boyd or I don't know. Ew, no. I just don't <laughs> I, I just don't see it with that going Ballard. I just don't. Yeah. Um he says, by the way, I agree that it is terrible that the credits do not include clips of other cast members. This may be partly due to the fact that many of them were not contracted for every episode. According to Wikipedia, Sierra and Ballard were in only 10 episodes a season, and Victor and Boyd were only in 11. And don't get me started about a- Amy Acker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, like, uh, Gilmore Girls would have a Michelle... <laughs> In every uh, opening credits, and he was barely in the show. If you look at it, like by the numbers, they could have thrown them in there. I haven't seen that show. I haven't seen that show either. But it's but. it's fun. You know, I I have been toying with watching it. I think I want to watch Rectify first. I don't know that one. I've heard nothing but good about Gilmore Girls. I just mm. I don't know. I remember when it was airing and I'd watch it for a little bit and there was a little something about this dry wit of the style that got on my nerves. It was it was at that time it's like uh Dawson's Creek and Gilmore Girls where everybody's like, Nobody talks that way. Mm. And in a sense, you know, teenagers don't overanalyze everything like they do in Dawson's Creek, but um Gilmore Girls, whenever somebody said, Nobody talks like that, my sisters and I would go, We do <laughs> <laughs> Because they're constantly referencing these in-jokes that it seems like only they get, which is what happens when you're in a big family. Yeah. You know? In-jokes I get and yeah. constantly reference them. Yeah. And then the talking really fast is something that my family does. Like, we're from New York. We talk fast. It was more, <laughs> I think, maybe overwritten, maybe overly clever. Mm. I don't know. There was something about the dialogue style that Maybe it was a delivery. Maybe it was a writing. I'm not sure, and it's been a long time. Yep. But I'll give it a shot. <laughs> uh, he says, The scene in the car after Echo has escaped with Sierra and Victor, where she seems to have freed them, only for them to get hit with the remote wipe, is such quintessential dollhouse scene. They were so close to a happy ending. This would also happen all the time, 
in the 60s TV show The Prisoner. <laughs> a show we still haven't gotten around to watching. Nope. Oh, and um, I back to the credits. I just want to say that I cry foul that just because they were only in ten or eleven, they can't be even that they can't even be shown. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It all is Elijah Dushku. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we've you know we've stated it must have been in her contract somehow or something, but it's lame. Yep. I'm still on that board that. It had to have been in her contract. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other explanation. Nope. Um, okay, after nearly two seasons of building up the attic, I wonder if it worked for you or if you were disappointed. I like Dreamstrikes, and this one was odd and scary enough, especially the ones that seemed to pull... that seemed pulled from Epitaph 1. I also liked how Echo kept seeing memories from her different imprints, whose childhood had that tree in it. On the other hand, I'm not sure if I quite buy the idea that the brains of the people in the attic are running the dollhouse technology, but I'll shush it. <laughs> Very shushable. <laughs> yeah. I liked, I liked the episode of the attic. I, I liked the I whole liked it dreamscape too. thing. It, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but Sue and I, in our last podcast, this is something I do remember, we both had the exact same vision of the attic, and it was like a dusty attic, where, like, <laughs> mannequins, dolls were just posed there. Yes. Somehow, frozen in time. Yes, it wasn't at all what I imagined, <laughs> but I was not disappointed. Yeah. It was... Nowhere near my favorite episode, but it was all right. I I, I thought it was very Matrixy. It's yeah. very Matrixy, yeah. Yeah. I was satisfied with it too, just because it wasn't yeah. what I had in mind. I I liked what it was. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe later we'll get into the whole everyone's mind in the attic <laughs> running. The what? Everyone's mind in the attic running, like, do you remember the conversation oh. we had? I don't know. Okay, then I'll bring it up again when we get to that <laughs> point. <laughs> Maybe. Rob distracted me a few minutes ago with a cat meme, and then oh. <laughs> he's, he's gone to bed and he just sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Destined to distract me. Well, <laughs> when we get to that point, I'll just remind you how my head had to think of it. And okay. we might, because we had like another serious giggle fest. I remember it. I just don't remember what it was. <laughs> okay. But I remember good. thinking, that's probably the only thing we really <laughs> lost. <laughs> I think we can redo it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, he says, I liked how anyone with too much power or knowledge gets put in the attic. Clive's backstory is so darkly comic. I love the idea that he was suckered into creating an imprint of himself, but modified to be docile and loyal. And then the imprint took his place. What a dangerous organization to work for. Yeah, that was... And then yeah, we remember his name's not Clive. I think it's... Is it Clyde? Is it? 
Oh yeah, that was a discussion. Yeah. I think the wiki things, I think they had his name sp- different. Yeah, yeah. Clyde, I think, yeah. But yeah, I really like that about... That's very dark, that, like, you don't have to be a doll to be put in the attic. Like, if you go against the corporation, <laughs> they'll put you in the attic. <laughs> that's <is> terrifying. <laughs> it is. Yep. Yep. Um, he says... Well, Super that's Nick how... Would... What's his name got up there? He wasn't that's a doll. Like... Dominic, yeah. Dominic, yep. Yep. Well, and, and the idea also is, like, okay, so... You could be put in the attic. You could um, have a copy of yourself made and all of the things that they don't like taken out of it. Right. And that's what they did to him, right? Yeah. And yeah, we don't know who he is. So I think mm-hmm. that might be a reveal. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's a reveal because he did say, you know, I'm out there, basically. Mm-hmm. He Probably know. in a different body. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, we... We did wonder about that. Did we wonder if it was Topher? I think we threw out a few different names just to cover our asses. (laughs) 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 But I think Topher was definitely one of them. Um, He says, Sue predicted that Ballard would come back as a Frankenstein monster, and he did, at least for a few seconds. (laughs) Grr, fire bad. He sure did. I and know. I was, so, quick. I was so excited. But <laughs> then he righted himself, and I was like, dang it. It was just a little glip. Yeah. Glitch. Um, he says, I love the final reveal that Adele had sent Echo into the attic to learn Rossum's secrets. And I love the final power shot of the cast. United as a team dedicated to taking down Rossum. Kind of reminds me of Team Angel preparing to take down the senior partners. Mm, very much so. Yeah. He says, coming up, a frenetic race to the finish line that includes Dollhouse's most controversial reveal. And I can't tell you how much that has haunted me, Harold. That is the only thing that has haunted me about this. Yes. Is I want to know what it is. And I can't. <laughs> I know. Because you had to record an episode. (laughs) We had to record again. I know. Neither of us have gone on. We've been so good. (laughs) I just put it out of my mind. But once in a while, if I ever thought of Dollhouse, I'm like, controversial reveal. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know. (laughs) That's very enticing. Mm -hmm. You know how to entice us, Harold. (laughs) Yep. So, all right. Well, thanks, Harold. Yep, I thank you. All right, let's move on to Ray. He says, stop loss. We get to see a little bit uh, more of what happens after an active's time ends. The fact that Anthony said that he thought that it didn't work because it only felt like five seconds, not five years. But then once he's released, he has to sleep in the bathtub in his hotel. I thought was interesting. So I told him it didn't feel like any time had passed. Okay, sorry. So to him, it didn't feel like any time had passed or that he had even been at the dollhouse. But subconsciously, there were effects that a former active has to deal with. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was cool. Him sleeping in his bathtub and then the shop. 
to Sierra yeah. in her pod. The the interesting thing was for me uh, watching that uh, being married to a vet. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the first time he went on tour when he came home, uh, he kept sleeping on the floor uh, because hmm. the bed was too soft. And so, but I didn't see that scene of him sleeping in the bathtub as him trying to uh, be comfortable because it was only like five minutes. I think there was part of that, but I think it was also his body was missing the pod. Is that what Ray was saying? I'm not sure. I think like at first I thought it was, well, no, you know, obviously they didn't remove it for this. And then he mentioned the pod and it was like okay so maybe he does realize that so i think there's like a mix of that going on in there but yeah i think i think he was pointing yeah, i i think what ray is saying is essentially the same thing you are it, yeah. it he's just bringing up the point that um even though it only felt like five seconds yep there was still it it affected his brain and his yep. subconscious yeah well, and we f- we get that later because, I mean, the fact that he's still in love with Sierra. Right. You know, right. There's, there's definitely a lasting effect. It's not as clean as they think it's it is. It's never as clean as they think. Exactly. They're always so sure about their technology, and Echo and others have proven it wrong several times every episode. Mm-hmm. Right, because, I mean, everyone's... We're not all going to react the same way. You know? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's just being human. I mean. Well, and it just goes to show that you can't really control humanity. Right. 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 Because I remember when we recorded before, I was more of the mind that he was having memories of being a soldier. Mm -hmm. And Emily was more of the mind that he was remembering the pod. Yeah, I think mostly because it flashes to Sierra sleeping in her right, pod and it right, just looks right. the same. And I think it's a mix. So I think it's a mix. I, You're I both agree. right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of being, again, like we talked about earlier, just being like thrown out there. Okay. You know, you've done your duty with the army. You've done your duty with the dollhouse. And he mm-hmm. just doesn't know what to do, you know? Yeah, it's kind of saying he's not comfortable and he doesn't know what he's doing. Or right. All of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's this guy dancing and two cats are in front of him dancing. <laughs> it is a funny... <laughs> All right, you'll have to put it on the <laughs> on the Facebook page or something. <laughs> um, where did I end? Uh, he was talking about um, the lasting effects. Okay, I think. I'm right here. They supposedly took away Anthony's PTSD from war, but it appears that he's suffering from a form of dollhouse PTSD. Oh, that was... we, we stopped in front of that. See, <laughs> he explains exactly what he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
that wasn't a major part of the episode, but I found that to be an interesting peek into what it's like to finish your contract with the dollhouse. As for the soldier stuff, I have to admit that I'm more interested in the story than any big action sequences. I tend to zone out during that stuff. So while the war stuff was fine, it's not really my cup of tea. But I do love the Anthony Priya stuff and thought that the scene where Echo is telling them to go free in the car after they escape was very heartfelt and touching. I like that Echo is now fully her own person and kind of the supreme weapon because she can access and have control of all of her personalities. We also learn more about Rossum and their nefarious plans for the future. Super soldiers and group think that can't be good. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I felt like that whole thing was a major gateway and a hint to uh, how society fell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I was I was more okay with the the soldier group mind stuff. But yeah, I didn't I... love it, but I found it 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 gave me the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> the first about three times I watched it, it really annoyed me, and I think the last time I was maybe used to it, but that was one of those things that just kept, like, just the talking in the head just bothered me. Hmm. Yeah. I, it was just a personal choice of watching something. It, it just grated on my nerves, hearing all the voices that... It, it, um, tainted the episode for me. See, I'm, I'm, I'm more about the just the idea of it, like, is frightening to me, having all those people in my head. Sure. Yeah. I would hate that. That's, I would that's absolutely I hate that. <laughs> it it kind of creeped me out. I wasn't bothered by it. I was, like, more in the school of, that would be so effed up if that actually happened. <laughs> I, think, I think I would ruin um, their group think because my brain moves so fast, uh, I think I'd screw everybody up. It, right. it, it it makes me wonder, it's like, so if any of those soldiers have ADD, how would that screw everybody else up? Because their brain's going to be thinking way faster than everybody else's. <laughs> and people are going to get confused. They're like, why am I thinking of pogo sticks right now? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> As I feel the same way. I certainly don't have the kind of brain that could be... That That couldn't be done to me. There's no way. You're not exactly neurotypical. No, there's no way that would happen. Yeah. So if if I wanted to like have fun and get into it, I I would think like, okay, so in order to make this work, they'd have to like pre-screen and have brain scans so that they'd know how each of these people's brains worked and what would happen if like their neurotransmitters didn't work and like they needed medication for that. Would they only be able to work with other people who have neurotransmission deficiencies or you know, like would being tapped into other brains help their brain? And yeah, I could, yeah, I could yeah, go on all day. Yeah, it, <laughs> well, I did not think that hard about it. <laughs> it really gave me the creeps when I thought about it. <laughs> Plus, See, I this just... is the whole ADD thing. I thought about all of that in like the span <laughs> of a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, adults don't have ADD. Well, and I just, I enjoy the things that make us all different. So for like, mm-hmm. like clones freak me out or twins kind of creep me out. 
Do you mean identical twins? Yeah. Okay. So fraternals are okay? We, well, I grew up, we grew up with some identical twins, and I also had some fraternal twins at school, too, and both of them, they all kind of freak me out. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) I've never heard that one before. (laughs) I don't know. I, I grew up with twins. Um, my my friends were twins, and uh, they were fraternal, but they looked so similar that everybody thought they were identical, unless you mm-hmm. actually knew them, and you're like, they look nothing alike. <laughs> yeah, we had that. The, the Caspers that we grew up with, there was some twins in that family, and they were identical, but if you knew them as well as we did, you could totally tell the difference. Their personalities the were very different. Very different. I mean, they looked pretty much exactly the same but you always knew which one was jenny and which one was judy oh yeah you knew who you were dealing with yep (laughs) (laughs) these that i grew up with i mean like most people were like how can you tell them apart i'm like well one has a long face and one has a short face like what it's like i can say as soon as i look at them it's very obvious but um you know two placentas so they they were not identical um but i think like the problem for some twins is that because they're so similar and because they're the same age, they're constantly being pushed to do the same, 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 same. Yeah. And I have not seen worse fights between siblings <laughs> than I have between twins. I <laughs> go to school with identical twins and they get put in different classes. Well, that's yeah. They'll, they'll that's be in smart. different classes. Yes. I think that's kind of like, like a rule. Oh, yeah. is it? I thought they I, just liked it because they are eh, kind of different. And I think they like having their own little lives and teachers. <laughs> I think that, well, at least in our schools, they didn't want siblings in the same classes um, because they, they can't learn independently. Uh, then they sense. rely on each other too much. Um, but I pray, I pray that uh, my nieces and nephew that are triplets, do not end up having that kind of a relationship. Oh, so far, they're, they're, they love each other, so that's good. How um, old are they? Uh, three and a, like a third. <laughs> wow. So they're not, uh, and they have an older sister, so they're not like only the, those three. So they have a, a little bit of a a difference. Um, Are the triplets all the same gender? Nope. Two girls and a boy. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah. Or but... it'll just be weird. <laughs> well, and the, the boy's completely outnumbered because the other sibling's a, a girl too. But oh. uh, but he's 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 very independent. Um, they uh, my my the oldest one she she wants them all to dress up as Disney villains this year. Cause she's going to be Maleficent. She wants everybody to be a villain and the girls are all into it. And he's like, no, I want to be the good guy. I want to be bell. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> that sounds That's cute. fine. <laughs> he's only three. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> but you know, he's got, he's got his own mind and he's only three years old. So that's good. <laughs> Many of them do. <laughs> yeah. So even though there's only four kids in that family, I think they'll still get that large family mentality going on. For sure. 
Mm. So, uh, how did we get to this? The clone, the clone army. Oh, like, right. yeah. <laughs> all having one mind and how twins freak me out because they seem to be the same. <laughs> Is it a lot of it the like how some like know when the other's in danger or something? Yes. That's yes. the stuff that freaks you out? Okay. That, that makes sense. The, the twins I knew never had that. I think it's rare. Yeah. I think I think it's like um, savantism for people who are on the spectrum. You know, everybody thinks that's right. what they're all like, but it's actually a low percentage. Right, right, right. And no, like I said, like the Casper twins, they weren't necessarily that way. It, I think it just freaked me out that they looked so much alike. <laughs> Their last name's Casper. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I grew up with, you know, in school, that, that was like the family friends. They were a little yeah. bit older than me. And then in school, I grew up with the young twins and they were two girls that were fraternal they looked completely different from each other like one was in sports and you know one was like more into fashion and but still there was like this weirdness between them because they were twins you know Mm -hmm. i don't know yep they shared a womb yeah it's kind of weird well, technically, if you think about it, you shared a womb with your sister. It just, you know, <laughs> not at the same time. One of you vacated earlier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. The attic. <laughs> he says, I'm almost not sure what to say about this one. The first half of the episode has a sort of dreamlike quality reminiscent of the Buffy, Buffy episode, Restless. As far back as season one, we had heard that the attic was a place where your mind lived their worst nightmare over and over again. And it turned out to be pretty much spot on. Um, I, I think it's interesting to watch Echo try to navigate this world and figure it out as she goes. Bringing back Dominic was very cool as well. I love how he and Echo work together to find Priya and Anthony. Once we get the Clyde, see, he calls him Clyde. Uh, the, the Clyde the wiki also, the, um, uh, what is it? Dollhouse.wikia.com also calls it Clyde. All right, maybe it says Harold. But maybe he has a friend named Clyde who he texts a lot. <laughs> and his autocorrect, autocorrect corrected Clyde to Clive. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Once we get the Clyde reveal, though, the episode shifts. We get a large info dump about the creation of Rossum. It's a lot to take in a short amount of time, but we now know that the key to stopping Rossum is finding the other partner that started the company with Clyde, and that only Caroline can help them do it. So it looks like, as the series is coming to a close, that we will meet Caroline in a real way for the first time. Should be interesting unwrapping this stuff going into the last couple of episodes. And at the end, we find out that Adele was playing Rossum all along so that she could gain her house back and Echo could get the information from the attic that they would need. I love the moment at the end when the camera pans to all the major members of the dollhouse as they gather as one team before they all go and fight Rossum. Yes, I like that too. Very joss. I like that they've introduced this Clyde. I don't know. I really like the attic. It... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just not that the brains are controlled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I just, I don't know. I, I thought it was a very interesting, I like meeting this Clyde guy and just knowing that someone out there is him. Yeah, I loved all that a lot. I think that's great. And I can't wait to find out because I know they'll reveal who it is. And that could possibly be our... The reveal uh, that's all controversial. Yeah. According I'm so to biting my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you got some feedback from Matt on Facebook. Oh, yeah? Yep. While we were talking, I got a <laughs> notification that he commented on your post. Do you want me to read it? There's just one more little blurb. Yeah, we've got one oh, more. Oh, sorry. I thought you were done. My bad. With Ray. Okay. Overall, both of these episodes are very entertaining and deliver a lot of information. I forgot where I read this, but I thought I heard that season two of Dollhouse actually includes storylines that Joss had planned for season two through five originally, but once it became obvious that the show would only have two seasons, that they just used everything. I don't know if that's true or not, but it does make sense. I could see where the Senator Perrin stuff could be a full season by itself, or Echo becoming her own person, or Alpha's return, or the fight against Rossum. It seems like all these revelations are happening faster than maybe they ideally should have, because almost every episode we are learning big things about Rossum and their plans. It's a lot of stuff packed into a short period of time. Even if it seems a little bit rushed, it's still very good and keeps you wanting more and wondering where it's going to go next. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense that mm-hmm. he just did what he wanted to do because that Senator Parent stuff wrapped up like so quick. It's yep. just didn't. It felt like it skipped a lot of stuff. I remember I when had we heard watched that it, as well. We were like, huh? <laughs> I had heard that as well uh, at the time, um, probably on like Jost or something like that, which was a podcast all about Jost stuff, um, and um, I. Th- think he might have mentioned some of it when I went to see him live uh, and and he basically talked about how uh, the high points he kept in there he couldn't do everything that he wanted to do but he definitely kind of smooshed things in you know kind of like JMS did with uh, season four of Babylon 5 it yeah, makes sense. exactly what it feels like he did yeah. it does it does because yeah that center parent stuff could have been a whole season on its own yeah. And and the Echo becoming full on Echo, you know. Mhm. But it still feels okay. I don't. Yeah, it's okay. I'm it's, not complaining. I'm not complaining. It's, it's still better well. than regular TV. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> still better than most shows. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's it, all interesting. So I'm glad we get it instead of just saying, "Well, too bad." Exactly. Right. Yeah, I'd rather right. have a complete story than being left hanging. Um, and I think Joss definitely learned from Firefly that, uh, you know, you're not going to always be able to finish your story. And, uh, you know, so if you can close it up for the fans, it's better. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. It just... I, it was It was very weird. It was like... As soon as Dollhouse started, everybody was like, so when do we start the campaign to ask Fox not to cancel it? <laughs> like, everybody knew it was coming. <laughs> oh. 
It was so sad. And when it got the second season, we're like, oh, cool. We got another season. Hmm. But uh, but I think he, he, he saw the writing on the wall. He knew it was ending and he got everything he could done. I think he did a fine job at it. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed this season. Me too. All right. Well, thank you, well, thanks, Ray. Ray. So what what did uh, Matt have to say? Ah, Matt, it's very quick. It's uh, tonight I watched A Love Supreme, which was the previous episode. Uh, enjoying this season so far. Too bad I'm nearing the end as it's finally getting good. And that was Matt A. Mm-hmm. Which one's the Love Supreme? Uh, it's the last one that you did. Hang on. I'm opening up the synopsis. It's the... When Echo's past romantic engagements are found murdered, the dollhouse mm-hmm. features that fe- fears that Alpha has returned to seek his revenge. That one. Okay. Alpha comes back. Yeah. Yeah, that one was good. Yep. Yeah, we did like that one. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, thanks for the feedback. Should we... Start talking about the episode proper? Yes. All right. So we have (laughs) Stop Loss. Yes. Do you want to read the uh, synopsis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the wiki recap is Victor's contract with the dollhouse expires and he is returned to his true personality. Anthony Sicoli? I'm just going with that. Um, it looks like broccoli. It's like it's C E C C O L I, and I think. Hang on, does spell that again? C E C C O L I, Caccioli. The C C in Italian is a ch. Yeah, right? it's a ch. Okay. So okay, so Anthony Caccioli, something like that. A former Army Ranger who signed a contract with the dollhouse to cure him of a severe case of post-traumatic stress disorder. Echo confronts Sierra with the knowledge that Victor will not be coming home, which causes Sierra considerable distress as she declares that Victor isn't ready to be alone yet. Anthony is captured by a group of military personnel when DeWitt passes out drunk at her desk, Boyd engages Echo's help to track down Anthony, only to discover a new arm in the Rossum conspiracy. They have engaged Anthony as one of many ex-actives, including some of Anthony's ex-army teammates, in a plot to create the perfect team of super soldiers who use neuro radio to think the same thoughts and share each other's minds. Echo imprints Sierra with her original personality, Priya, and together they free Anthony, whose love for Priya slash Sierra overrides the groupthink of Rossum's Arnie. Echo then gives herself the same implant as the super soldiers and overwhelms the unit with her over 50 minds in one. 
But DeWitt captures her rogue actives after their escape and consigns all three of them to the attic. So that's the recap. Okay. Didn't sorry, mention Lonely mute. Hearts. No. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Skipped right over that. I I thought that that was possibly one of the most interesting things about the episode. Me too. Yeah. That's like half my notes. Because <laughs> they talk so long about the the problems with um, reoccurring engagements, and and mm-hmm. that it can cause problems. Yada yada yada. So if his contract were ten years, not five years, eventually this would have happened. And if Sierra was brought to the dollhouse sooner, this would have happened sooner. So huh. it, it's. I just find it very interesting that, you know, because it's obvious that nobody put that in his imprint to say, I'm in love with someone else. And that's a bad thing to happen if you're selling dolls. Oh, yeah, that would be, you know, Topher was right. It's good that it happened to her. (laughs) Right, right. I just, I love how DeWitt's like, just spills the beans on everything because she's, so trusting in the technology that it's not possible that anything else could have happened. Right, right. And I she's find... so sure that like someone implanted that in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found it interesting that she had Roger imprinted to kind of disparage her job and what she does. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting little thing they had to have put in him. Mm-hmm. You wonder why. Well, maybe to help remind, like, sell it that he's not a doll. So yeah, but it's herself. all about putting down her clients and <laughs> she is a client. <laughs> That's true. It just seems like a constant reminder being with him that yeah, he thinks it's uh, weird. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe she did that because she, like, Wants maybe to deep take down, round. she kind of thinks it's weird, too. Because, you know, I mean... Maybe it was to keep her grounded? Yeah, oh. to kind of keep her grounded and to remind her that because she was a scientist, right? Yeah. I mean, we mm-hmm. get we get information that like she was a scientist. Yeah. And so maybe she had that done on purpose to like I don't know. Yeah, keep her grounded. <laughs> it seems kind of smart to me. For you know, to have someone question what you're doing. Yeah. If you're doing something that's kind of sketchy. True. There should be someone in your life that's like, kind of pointing out the sketchiness. <laughs> but and at the same time, being sure she isn't one of them. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a complicated relationship. <laughs> <laughs> So she says at the very beginning when they they start kissing, she's like, don't talk. I want to Roger, Roger. 
Am I able to say something that Roger is like a euphemism for like having sex with yep. someone? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Rogering it's, it's, it's is British a, slang. It's British. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Oh. Give her a good Rogering. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, I've missed that. When you said Roger, Roger, I immediately went to airplane. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, Clone Wars. Roger, Roger. We have clearance, Clarence. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> okay, so I was missing something. That's funny. <clears throat> Yeah, Roger. Roger is a it's a euphemism in in the UK. Interesting. Um, I just love the burn that because I love how like like Roger just talks about how pathetic <laughs> that the people are that have to get the dolls. <laughs> He's like basically talking to her and. Not, not really realizing it, <laughs> and then yeah. she gets burned again when mm. she gets back, and she's all mad that he's in love, and she accuses Topher of putting that in him, and he doesn't realize that she's Miss Lonely Hearts. Yeah, that was so funny. Oh. What have I said to you about her? Ah. <laughs> it's like he goes through them all. He's like, oh man. <laughs> That is such a perfect response you'd have. I know. And then Ivy casually comes in. She's like, oh, my money's on a broken hip. <laughs> <You know? laughs> then he uses that as um, proof that it wasn't Ivy either. <laughs> yeah. That was good times. That was funny. It was, it was quite possibly like one of the best funnest openings although i felt mm-hmm. so bad for dewitt um which is you know pretty good writing in my in my book if you can make me feel bad for dewitt <laughs> um because she's she's such a strange character because she's so um abhorrent and yet you can feel for her and you can feel there's there's some goodness and she mm-hmm. she feels you know, they always say, you know, villains don't think of themselves as villains, right? And right. she's not a villain per se, but she is a character that has done some horrible, horrible things. And mm-hmm. consent and body autonomy mean nothing to her, which is what makes it so difficult for me to sympathize with her. And yet they're able to make me feel for her and care for her so many times. I I agree. DeWitt is... One of the most, I I've been the most conflicted over TV characters ever. Yeah. You know, like I like her, I don't like her. I feel sorry for her. I don't feel sorry for her. I, yeah. I think she's awesome. I think she's horrible. I think she, you know, it's <laughs> like I have all the feels about her. Yeah, it'll be interesting to finish the series and watch it again sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's very, she is very complicated. Yeah. And I still, we're what, like 22 episodes in or so, and I still don't have a handle on her. Yeah, I have a feeling the show's 
you know, going to make her a good guy by the end. But there's been some past problems yeah. <laughs> that you can't overlook. Well, you know, in Epitaph 1, when we see the flashback to her, we definitely see a, a different side, and it's kind of a, it's a re- regretful to it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and... Mm-hmm. You feel for her because she realizes all of the wrong that she's done. It doesn't excuse the wrong. So it you know, only makes Topher, you wonder how far is she going to go. Yeah, and Topher's kind of in the same camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think for Topher, I think Topher, uh, or at least for me, Topher has always been, um, he didn't really see people as people, not that he's you know a sociopath or anything, but that he was so excited by the science, he never thought of the consequences or the fact that he was, you know, messing with people's autonomy and, and going against consent. And he never right. really thought of them. And then once he did, he started to realize how awful he had been. But he is so focused on the science and the science is what excites him. I mean, we're just starting, you know, when 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 the show opens it's not even a thought to him. It's just these are puppets. It's no different than computer components to him. And we are seeing him have that breakdown, and he's really starting to feel and care for the people because he's starting to see them as people. Right. You know? And uh, and you get the idea that he just doesn't even know how to connect to people either. So there's yeah. a there's a conflict yeah. there too. So It doesn't excuse it, but I think it's, it's different because I think DeWitt – has always had a uh, full view of of people in a more typical manner than say Topher. Whereas Topher yeah, right, and I think that's why she was picked to like run the dollhouse. I mean, she exactly. was a scientist, but also had some sort of humanity. Mm-hmm. Where Topher doesn't, you know. No. And imagine Topher managing people. I mean, that would be insane. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't blame someone like Topher to, you know, if you're a scientist and then you're, you're like given this lab and who knows what kind of funding behind it, like never ending funding. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's every scientist's dream. Yeah. You know, I mean, I watched a thing on PBS last night about Nikolai Tesla and, you know, it was the funding that stopped you know yeah he could have gone on forever you know yep but the funding ended and he just kind of burnt out so scientists are weird (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean they just yeah and there's a social sometimes with that and being so good and so smart you can miss and it, it you know, you say it doesn't excuse him. Right. It mm-hmm. does a little bit in my brain because right. I feel like I've known people like that that just are so disconnected and just so cannot relate to other people. Yeah. So well, much. like it doesn't excuse his actions to me because, you know, if you do a bad thing, it's a bad thing no matter what. But his motivations are different. So I judge him on a different scale. Right. Yeah, a different scale. I, it just there's a tiny bit of excuse there, and yeah. he is learning. I mean, he it didn't take much, if I felt, mm-hmm. for him to start getting empathetic. 
Yeah, once he started seeing that his dolls were acting strangely, and then mm-hmm. he started realizing, well, we need to give them closure, we need to do this. Then he started to really realize that they had feelings, and I think that was the beginning of his uh, his downfall towards humanity. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> road uh, to empathy. <laughs> it was Sierra Priya. Mm-hmm. It was that story. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because if you think about it, um, you know everything's so focused on Echo, but really the story starts and everything starts changing. As soon as Priya is brought, as Sierra is brought into the dollhouse. Oh yeah, which is like the first episode I think too. Uh, all along, I I have found Sierra much more interesting. I've she, I've been more invested in Sierra than I have Echo. Yeah, she's shaken everything up. She mm-hmm. as soon as she's introduced, that's when Echo starts her oh. journey towards retaining things because Echo sees her in the chair for her first wipe. Um, Topher has the whole thing with how she's brought into the dollhouse. Um, Victor starts coupling with her and suddenly everyone starts changing and, and the status quo is changing. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because we're so focused on echo, like that's the magician distracting us, but the real action is happening because of Sierra. Interesting. I didn't look at it like that. I just thought of it now, and I was like, wow, you know what? That's that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about it made me realize that because it's, you know, once I realized it's like, well, why is Topher caring? Because of Sierra. Because of Sierra. Well, why did Echo start changing? Because <clears throat> she saw what happened to Sierra. Why is Victor different? Because of Sierra. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I like Echo. I like where Echo is. I love that Echo <laughs> is her own person. Hmm. And that she's, like, self-aware that she is Echo. I love that. I love that, too. But I would say I'm a little bit more invested in Sierra than I am Echo. (laughs) She's so great. Yeah. I think it's been more interesting, and we've known more about her backstory, I think. Mm -hmm. They're keeping a big secret about Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. I... I watched the show The 100 simply because the actress who plays Sierra it was in it. Oh, is she in it? I didn't know that. For a while. She's not a main character, but she's a recurring character, and she's pretty wild. Hmm. I might give it a go. <laughs> the other reason I watched it was because it um, it was the first time this happened, but... Uh, at the same time that it airs on the CW, it goes on to Netflix. So it was like one oh. of the only things I could watch on because I don't have a regular TV subscription. I'm mm-hmm. a cord cutter. So I could watch something at the same time as people who had TV could oh, yeah. and keep up with the conversation. And a friend of mine was watching it. So I was like, oh, this is a neat. I just wanted to try it out for that that uh, uh, content delivery model. And I think it works. Do you not get, like, for an American show like CW, like, they air them in the United States on their website or app? Yeah, I can't get the CW app. But most of the time, like, if it's on CW, it's on a Canadian station, too. And I can just go to the Canadian station's app. Mm. 
So like a lot of uh, Fox stuff will end up on Global. Um, other things will end up on CTV, you know, whatever. And I'll go to those apps and I can watch. Or my favorite is um, so many of the things that like uh, people have to get pay channels like uh, BBC America stuff will end up on Space for us, which is, I mean, if you have a regular TV subscription, subscription, it's basic cable um, and it's available for streaming online. Whereas in the States, you it's all behind paywalls so like orphan black and doctor who i have no problem getting oh interesting yeah so my next note is um victor gets a a suite at the hyperion isn't that the hotel from angel yes it is i'm so glad you uh wrote that down because that was one of my uh one of my trivia bits yes the hyperion is from angel Yep, I totally didn't catch that at all. Which is a, an actual building. It. Is it it's, called the Hyperion, though? Um, I can't remember. I know it was for sale a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's called the Hyperion, because doesn't Elizabeth, doesn't yeah, Beth like, live by it or something? It's like a block away from the facade on the outside, at least. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you it's know. fictional. It it is fictional, but the actual building, uh, I think it was the actual building was for sale, and then the um, the mansion where Angel was stabbed uh, and sent to hell, that was for sale for a little while. That was like this Art Deco house. I think Beth lives by that too. Seems like she does a. She told us that she does a dog walk and mm-hmm. walks. <laughs> she by hits there. all the Buffy stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) They are like all within the like the same area. Um, I've seen a map before and it shows all the different filming locations. And so for the first season, I don't think they had their warehouse where they built all their sets. But uh, eventually they get like this one warehouse. Um, And then in the first season, uh, because they didn't have their uh, cemetery set. They actually were filming in real cemeteries. Yeah, I heard that. And it was it makes to sense to have people. them all close together, though, because, you yeah. know, if you've got to shut down areas it, for mm-hmm. production, you know. Exactly. It's nice for the people who live there to. And I can't remember what company it is, but, like, the Wolfram and Hart building is, like, I don't know, Sony or one of the hmm. media company buildings. So when I first saw people taking pictures of Victor, I thought it was Alpha doing it. Hmm. Ended up being the army people. Yeah. Right. Right. I think I just missed that little nugget first time around. I think you did too, yeah. So I never had any thoughts on who it could be. My notes like, who's taking pictures of Victor? Alpha? Oh, wouldn't you take pictures of Victor if you saw him out in the world? <laughs> He's so cute. He's cute. He's the best. I love him so much. <laughs> He's by far my favorite. Yes. Well, Sierra oh. is. Eh, she's close, but he still definitely. Oh, Victor is the best. I am so surprised by my love for Victor, but he was so compelling. And the actor, Enver, is so amazing. <laughs> you know, He's so, so great. His range is amazing. 
He is oh. really, honestly, really good. He's, he's yeah. good. I mean, the fact that he can go from being an emotional mess to being James Bond to being Kiki to everything <laughs> that he's ever had to do is is just always amazing to me. Yeah. And his Kiki was so much better than Elijah Tushkin. Oh, he... Oh. He knocked Kiki, Kiki was... out of the park. Way yeah. better than Eliza's. And she's the one that, like, introduced us to the character. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it, it, created the character. It reminds me of um, the episode where Faith and Buffy switch bodies. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell the difference between Sarah Michelle Gellar and Eliza Dushku, mm-hmm. acting-wise. I mean... I don't think that Elijah Dishka is a bad actress. I She's mm-hmm. just not nearly as good as a lot of the people she ends up working with. So she looks bad by comparison. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar could do Faith so much better than Elijah Dishku could do Buffy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, uh, yeah, Enver is just amazing. <laughs> he is great. So, um, so he thinks he's seeing Sierra, which I thought was cool. Like when he's in the club, yeah. he thinks he sees Sierra. And I thought that was so amazing because it shows us right away he's missing her. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't even know who she is. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like some sort of impression on his brain. Yep. And the whole story about like Echo talking to Sierra trying to explain the situation that was heartbreaking yeah when echo is still oh the seatbelt line no before that when she's talking to sierra not priya oh oh, oh. she's trying to explain at that breakfast. he's not coming back he's not coming like, back okay yeah, then i'll just see him at breakfast <laughs> <laughs> but then sierra has that line like he's not ready to be alone or yep and that just makes me want to cry. Oh, it's just so these other soldiers. Um, were they in dollhouses too? I wondered about that. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were in other <clears throat> sneaky government operations. Yeah, I got the impression by what was said. With the fact that Adele didn't recruit him, mm-hmm. and she said something about he was brought to her. Right. I felt like maybe an entire troop or something had a problem, and they, the government, kind of forced them all into this. Well, you, you get the idea that this this unit that he was in, like in Afghanistan or whatever, like saw something really bad. Or did something really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like accidentally killed a bunch of civilians that they thought were, you know, Taliban or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or another thought that I had was that they just were into such high level stuff that they just didn't want to let go of them. Mm. Oh, okay. And didn't they didn't want that. them to be able to talk. That was a, that could another be a, idea. I, I had. I've just always had ever ever since we got some sort of army idea about Victor, I've just always had this thought that 
maybe he was part of one of those troops that because you hear about it happening once in a while where they mm-hmm. accidentally like bomb a, a wedding or something yeah. you know yeah where they kill a bunch of civilians by accident yep and, and those things are very real you know yeah you, you've got a language barrier um and and you could have somebody very innocently, you know, wanting to hand you a business card or something, right. and you think that they're trying to kill you. Well, and you hear, that's what makes this war so much different than, like, World War Two or something. You know, mm-hmm. they're not in uniforms, they're in civilian clothes. You, yep. You don't know who the enemy is. And so many times you don't even see their faces, so you might not know if they're a child or an adult or, right, right. you know, anything. You can't tell if they're carrying something or not. Right, uh, right. Very confusing. I mean, in, in World War Two, you know, it was very definite who's the enemy and who's not. You know? But they also and, didn't have, when they did airstrikes, they did not have the technology we do now. Right. So they were bombing, you know, like London got bombed. and. But still, oh, yeah, States... they were bombing civilians in World War Two. I mean, this was happening. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. But, you know. And there but... were people coming back messed up from that as well right right it just seems like in in this war it just mm-hmm. it seems to be more than it was yep in other wars like well and and the and mistakes have been thing, made you know lots of them yes the interesting thing about like this one is and, and compare it to i was thinking about this when i was watching a, a clip of uh world war ii the other night is um when the soldiers went to Europe, the cultures were very similar. And they had that whole issue of, you know, these people are very familiar. And a lot of the Allied forces coming from America and Canada, it's nations of immigrants. So where did they come from? Their families came from these these countries that they were fighting. Right. And so you had, like, a lot of confusion there. And... There's this idea that because we're fighting against the Middle East, you know, Middle Eastern countries, that it's very different. It's a different culture. It's different people, yada, yada, yada. Except it's not. <laughs> and, and, and you know, people are people no matter where you go. Yeah, especially they're still mothers. And yep. Children. And especially in Afghanistan. Um, yeah, a lot of those North Americans would look at faces that are very similar to their own family members. It's not what they thought. You know, there's a lot of blonde hair. There's a lot of blue eyes. There's a lot of uh, pale skin over there uh, because of the Russians and everything. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, when people, like you said, you go and you think you're doing one thing and oops, that's not what I meant to do. And uh, it's just a big mess. Yeah, I've always I've always just gotten the idea that Victor's unit like something happened. Something happened that they all feel like enormous guilt mm-hmm. over like they accidentally you know bombed the wrong house or I mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you hypothesize that his nightmare in the attic is that time? I think I did. Yeah. I could definitely that, see that. And that that's why, I mean, cause it seems like this unit, he gets back with people he knows. He seems to know, 
at least a few of them. Yep. And so I'm just wondering, like, is that the government's way of saying, well, let's take these guys who, you know, accidentally killed, let's say, an elementary school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and let's wipe their minds of that, you know, mm -hmm. and then take that and make them a, like a super soldier. I don't know. And I could, I could also see it as like, let's take this group that bombed an elementary school that we told them to do. And this right. way no one knows and they don't have to relive it. And, oh. and then they become our soldiers. Oh, like they made them do that on purpose? Not so much that they made them do it on purpose, but maybe like that was the target that was given to them and the government didn't want another Abu Ghraib. Right. You know, maybe something right. was so horrible that they, they just uh, didn't want more of it to come out. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't want these guys to remember it. Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe the there was a target that was, you know, hiding within, you know, using a, a school as protection and they said, right. just go through the school. Right, right. You know, this is and fictional. Then, this horrible. can't get out. Right. <laughs> and this can't get out, so we need to do something about it. Yeah. Because I kind of get the idea that all these guys were at different dollhouses. Or even yeah. the same dollhouse, and they just didn't even know, you know, because they were wiped. Mm. True. I, I never quite get a grasp of how many are at a single dollhouse. Like, I feel yeah. like it's got to be less than 26 at the, the Los Angeles one, but who knows? Yeah, but it seems like there was just a throwaway line that made it seem like 100 or something. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember what the line was, but I remember being shocked because, yeah, I guessed around, like, maybe even exactly the 26. Yeah. Although not everybody does letters of the alphabet. Right. Well, that's why I, I said it at the L.A. office because... You know, Topher's kind of limited by the alphabet, although he could, you know, uh, use military and then, uh, you know, a non-military, I guess, for like different tiers. You know, maybe yeah. maybe the, the 20 to 26 that we're seeing are like their top tier dolls. And then they've got lower tier tier dolls that instead of Sierra, it would be Sam or, you know, Snake yeah. or whatever. Right, and then there's the DC one that uses like Greek gods. And then exactly. The, yeah. And you know, geez, you got hundreds of those. <laughs> I know. You could just. There could be one that's named after planets, and one that's named after whatever. You know. A lot of planets are named after Greek gods. <laughs> that's true, or, right? Is it Roman? Yeah, uh, yeah, Roman gods. That's but true. Neptune, enough. Venus, <laughs> Mercury, Mars. Jupiter, Saturn. Oh, yeah, I'm just yeah, going to name all the planets now. <laughs> <laughs> there could be one that's, didn't I say that I'd like to see the one that's named after, like, superheroes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Batman awesome. and Spider-Man. And... <laughs> well, and if, if you go into Marvel, like, especially with the mutants, you've got tons of material there. There's you just could, so it's many. It's never ending. Yeah. <laughs> Come here, Kitty Bride. Got to get you set up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pull. <laughs> so yeah, I I, I kind of think that all the soldiers were in 
other dollhouses. That's the impression I had, but that was just my fleeting. Yeah. I'm thinking, That's just where I went automatically. I'm thinking um, either they were all in other dollhouses or only the ones that were having, like, flashbacks and so forth like were going. Problems. Yeah. Right. And that everybody else were uh, setting up the uh, structure of the hive mind. Right. So that the people that weren't bothered by whatever happened uh, were were just setting up the structure and they were doing the experiments on them and and getting and and starting the operations in those five years. That's believable too. Yeah. Because yeah. there's yeah there's probably some that are just don't have a problem with, you know doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fans think that this whole storyline is very reminiscent of. Uh, I think it's season four, Buffy, with the initiative. Hmm. Chips in the head, controlling people, uh, experimentation that was being done to Riley, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I can see that. Just an overall um, kind of, you kind of know what the writers think of the military. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you least, examine both things. <laughs> or at least unchecked government, that's for yeah. sure. Which I think we can all agree that un- anything unchecked is not a good idea. No. Because this is like Dollhouse shows us unchecked government and unchecked private corporations. Right. Yeah. And so. big pharma, really. Yep. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, corruption within the political system. Mm-hmm. You know, just put your plant in Senate. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I did enjoy Adele kind of losing it. I enjoyed Drunk Adele. Drunk Adele. Drunk Adele is so much fun. (laughs) 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 Judith. Oh my God. Have you guys seen the like Jimmy Kimmel, I think it is, his Drunk Donalds? No. No. Oh my word. Bernie. Where's Bernie? <laughs> he, they slow down Trump to half speed, and he sounds drunk. I'll I'll post a link to that too. I, I was gonna ask, how is this different than normal? Because <laughs> you'll see. It's well, it's just it's just him. It's little clips of his speeches, and they just slow him down, and he sounds drunk, and it is so funny. But he keeps calling out Bernie, and it's the best. It reminded me when she said, Judith, I was like, Trump. <laughs> Bernie. So good. That's hilarious. I have not seen that. Well, you are in for a treat. <laughs> Cat memes and drunk Trump. <laughs> but drunk to it is, is so fantastic. Oh, sure. I hate I love it. And and that, by the way, is another thing. I love the actress that plays her because she can make you hate her. She can make you feel for her. And then you can laugh at Trent Toilet. I know. I know. She's... Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the actress a lot. Yeah. I have long thought that the sign of a really good actor is if they can play drunk well. Yes. Because so many times people play drunk and it's just, it's so unbelievable. Yep, good drunk is good. I agree. That's something I look for in a good actor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
there's a there's an actor on this this Canadian show, Trailer Park Boys, and he's always drunk. Like that's the character is always drunk, and he's amazing. And so I think he's like the best actor on the whole show, but he's always <laughs> drunk. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the actor who plays him is actually um, a recovering alcoholic. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> so he has, like, stuff to draw from, but, you know, he's constantly playing drunk while he's sober, and it's always iced tea in the bottles. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So. <sighs> oh, do <wait. laughs> I'm actually out of notes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, did you guys think that uh, Sierra and Victor were going to get away? No. Have a happy ending run off. <laughs> just we know. Seriously? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> nope. Uh, any thoughts about Echo getting um, more imprints to get her ready for this mission? It made a lot of sense. I would have liked to see Pirate Wench. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I think that was it. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. <laughs> Why do they have that? <laughs> I would love to meet the client that was for <laughs> the, what, the pirate wrench. What's the pirate wrench? <laughs> I like that she was able to use her skills from being blind. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Um. Yeah, uh, going in and um, being able to draw on like Eleanor pants. <laughs> yeah. Any other one? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I like that whole idea of Echo just being able to. I love how she's so self-aware. Mm-hmm. I can well, just go from one to another. Yeah, you could totally just base a show off of that. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. And episodes like this make you realize, like, for me, the first six episodes are kind of of the season one are kind of sluggish to get through because it just feels so monster of the weekish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you've gone through the whole thing, and especially here, you can see, oh, I needed all of that. True. I needed that for the future plot. That actually wasn't monster of the week. It was building. And yeah. uh, I love but that. Did we need the girl from Stage Fright? <laughs> Have we needed to draw on her? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I guess we have three episodes left. <laughs> well, and, and maybe we would have needed it for some of this stuff that uh, Joss left out. Oh, maybe. Oh, so yeah. there's that. My last note on this one is, haha, Darth Vader Adele. When she... <laughs> When, like, so she's had her drunk times, and then she, like, sobers up, and the elevator opens, and she's wearing all black, and has, like, a black, not a cape, but kind of a shawl thing, and walks out of the elevator. I was like, Darth Vader! Mm-hmm. <laughs> no surprise, I did not. Totally out of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> So, Is this the um, episode go ahead. That um, what's her name gets called into Adele's office, and she's all nervous. 
That's the next episode. That's the next one. So I'm reading something here in production. It says the episode was shot between October 21 and October 30 of 2009. It aired at 8 p.m. Friday, December 18, 2009, marking the last Dollhouse two-hour event episodes and one of the final two episodes. So was this aired with the attic? Oh. Uh, let me see. No, no. I bet it. Well, no. Uh, wait. Yes, yes. It was aired with the attic. So you're watching it the same way that we watched it. Hey. Yeah. We know what we're doing. That has actually worked out for us a couple times. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Harold's wiki thing. They both aired December eighteenth, two thousand nine. Yep. So there you go. For the most part, this us watching two at a time and then the season finale on its own has worked out really well for us. I think yeah, there was only that one time that you wanted to jump ahead. Yep. Well, and then again. So the second we announced it, <laughs> that got all shot to hell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we kept our mouths shut. <laughs> so I also noticed, and I don't know how it's been... Um, for the other episodes, but because I have the the wiki open, uh, the A A V Club gave this an A plus, uh, ugh, an A rating, hmm. and uh, seems to have done that for the next one. And I'm curious if the A V Club. Oh, uh, the, all right. So the last one got a B plus, and the time before that got an A minus. So they they seem to uh, to like Dollhouse. Those are the good scores. Those two. are good yeah. scores. From the AV Club. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, they're they're pretty critical, I think. They are, it. yeah. Yeah. But they're my favorite <laughs> TV yeah. site to go to. Uh Oh, so the only thing that I have left on Stop Loss is that when I was first watching this, I was just happy it was a Victor episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember my prediction at all. But... I'm, I know it was wrong. <laughs> I did On stop loss? Yeah. It was all about that play that you saw. Oh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything because I could just think of the that one play. All right. All right. Well, should we move on to the attic? Yes. I don't want to go in the attic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) Truth be told. (laughs) Okay. um, Echo, Priya, and Anthony are placed in the attic, suspended in a permanent dream state where they must continuously relive their worst nightmares. Echo overcomes hers, an inability to save those she loves, but is promptly attacked by a shadow killer named Arcane, and then saved by Lawrence Dominic, who has also gained control of himself within the attic. Arcane is killing off attic residents, and they jump into different mines to stop him. Anthony is back in the war in Afghanistan, fighting himself in an insurgent guise. Oh, and that was played by, he's got a twin brother, so they pulled a... Yeah, they did the same thing they did with Xander. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that until I read that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> that's awesome. While Priya trysts with an Anthony who transformed into an undead Nolan Kennard. That was terrifying. What a terrible nightmare. That, that's the most horrible. Uh-huh. Um, together they trap Arcane, revealing his true identity, Clyde Randolph, co-founder of Rossum, whose partner turned on him and placed him in the attic in 1993. He explains that the attic networks its victims' brains into a supercomputer, each kept in a perpetually adrenaline-drenched state for peak efficiency. Arcane's killing spree has served the dual purpose of um, spar- sparing attic prisoners and reducing Rossum's processing power. Clyde has also been able to conquer his worst fear, the desolate, blasted future of Epitaph 1, but has realized that if Rossum continues on its present course, there's a 97% chance that it will become reality. Echo, Priya, and Anthony escape the attic while Dominic and Clyde voluntarily remain behind. Meanwhile, Topher, Boyd, and Ivy, working against DeWitt's seemingly tyrannical reign, embark on a radical plan to save Paul Ballard. It is then revealed that DeWitt sent Echo to the attic in order to retrieve information on how to stop Russell, and that Caroline Farrell knows who Clyde's partner, the only remaining founder of Rossum, is. So, how does DeWitt not know that? They keep secret who the partners are? The founders? I think so. I think I think no one at Rossum really knows how it was started or who the heads are. That is interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, they probably have this corporate face, but mm-hmm. you don't know who actually started everything. Which is yeah, interesting. Probably some 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 stupid thing in the in the company newsletter. Our CEO, you know, started in the mailroom. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was one of you once. Yes. I started out as a doll, and now I run the place. Um, <laughs> that does not even work. <laughs> so they could cry foul on that. Yeah, I did want to mention that. Uh, so Clyde's whole thing. This is just a little bit of math issue. Um, it, he was saying that the human brain is 20 times as fast as the world's fastest supercomputer. But that is him having 1993 information of computers, which at that time was something with, and I'm I'm going to say this wrong because I'm sure I'm doing it wrong, but the, the unit of measurement is uh, two G-flops of processing power. Um, a PlayStation 3 has about 200 G-flops. So, I mean, like, his his math is a bit wrong, and that's just a writing error, um, because he, he should have said, you know, we can't even calculate how much faster it is than the world's right. fastest computer. Um, and because the way that computing has gone with its exponential growth, I mean, the fact that the the supercomputers that NASA was using is is nothing in comparison to our smartphones. <laughs> Just gives you an idea of how quick computers have turned around and uh so that's that's just like a little nitpicky thing. Well just hearing that information doesn't even sound right by nineteen early nineties standards to me. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. it doesn't. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so they didn't have a they didn't have like a computer expert on the writing staff. No. Like, this sounds good. Well, it's it's one of these things like and you see it a lot where it's these known scientific things that people talk about that are actually aren't known and sometimes are very wrong. You know, like when mm-hmm. uh, gosh, um that that bat, I haven't seen it yet, but the movie's premise was awful. Uh Lucy where it's like, well, humans only use 10% of our brain, so what if we used all of it? No, humans use all of our brain. <laughs> if we didn't, then if why would brain injuries cause so much problems if we only use 10%? Um, <laughs> you know, and like the whole left brain, right brain thing. No, you use all of your brain. It's 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 a metaphor. It's not a it's not a scientific thing, so right, this idea right. that human that the human brain can be faster than any computer, no one can prove that, but no one can disprove it. We don't know. We think maybe that's the case, but we don't know. <laughs> well, it's like to me, it's like Paul Bunyan against the electric, the chainsaw. <laughs> He's pretty fast. (laughs) Right. But he just can't keep up. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's a metaphor. I I get the idea of taking, you know, all right, we're taking human brains and we're getting rid of all of the external stuff so it doesn't have to focus on walking, talking, breathing, you know, all of those things. And we're just using it for computing power. And we're setting this up just like the Matrix. Instead of batteries, it's processing power. It's just it's one of those things. I'm I'm not particularly interested in in um, science fiction and all of that kind of stuff. I saw The Matrix and you know it was good, whatever. It's just not my bag, and yeah, the science fiction stuff just isn't my bag. And so it gets I think of it as like just kind of getting like a show like. An episode like this gets a little more in the science fiction weeds for me than I regularly would enjoy because I could barely handle science fiction as it is. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just getting into like the, um, like you said, it's the 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 Matrix stuff and almost like heroes type stuff. Um, it just feels that way to me, and it's like okay, whatever, hand wave. Plutonium, yep. got it. Moving on. Yeah, I like I like characters. <laughs> yeah, give me more characters. Right. Um, but I did right. like Clyde. Yeah, and I pointed out in our last podcast that he plays a co-founder uh, in Breaking Bad, the same actor. Oh. <laughs> For Grey Matter. Yeah, he's uh. He co-founded Mr. Grey Matter. Black. With, yeah, with Walter Wright. Yeah. I, I know him from a bunch of things, but I I can't quite think. I think I know him from a few other things, but Breaking Bad is the one that stands out. Breaking Bad, definitely, yeah, because it was bugging me who he was, and when I mentioned that, I was like, oh, yes, of course. That's yeah. who he was. Um, I guess he was in Suits also. I didn't see that, so I can't. I have no idea what that is. Oh, this is supposed to be pretty good. I think it's, um, is that the one with Gina Torres as the main character? I don't remember. Yeah, he just looks like he's a a character actor that shows he's up. He's just in one of those characters. Yeah, you've you've seen him. If you if you've watched TV, you've seen this guy. 
He you plays know? a usually a, a smart guy. He's kind of yeah. got that look. That look. He was in the X Files movie. I want to believe. He played the priest. Priest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, uh, nothing jumping out at me. Just lots of one shots. <laughs> That's that's the thing that's so frustrating about character actors. It's like I know that person. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he was on one episode of this and one episode of this and one episode. Okay. Yeah, there's usually the one thing, and if you find it, you feel satisfied. But like the one thing for me was Breaking Bad, but I know I've seen him in other yeah. stuff. But. I mean, that's why isn't the documentary about character actors called like the guy that was in that thing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, because that's. I love that. that. <laughs> always goes, oh, it's that guy. He was in that thing. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, it's that guy. He's going to be a bad guy. Why? Yeah, he's always exactly. a bad guy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Got a bad guy face. Yeah. So were you guys um, fooled in the beginning? Yeah, but I'm a seasoned enough TV watcher to know that something's got to be going on. Mm. I just didn't see that as their death. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because my notes are like, whoa, they just got shot? And then I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to try and figure this out. I'm in for the ride. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just knew, you know. It's going to be something. Something was going on that I just, I'm not going to try and figure out. I'll just be in for the ride you yep. said braid shut off yep <laughs> not quite a shush just kind like, of tone it down <laughs> so this to me counts as a dream episode because yes. they're in yeah. their subconscious and i love when joss does dream stuff i thought this was pretty good i really yeah. i really quite enjoyed it i liked it better than restless i'm not a huge restless fan <laughs> i don't dislike it are you just happy there's no cheese man? <laughs> or did you miss the cheese man? <laughs> I would have laughed if there was a cheese man. <laughs> I don't dislike Restless. It's just I don't also love it. Have you rewatched Restless after seeing the whole series? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because that's one thing for me. Like, I liked Restless. And then I really liked Restless after yeah. rewatching re everything. And go, oh, oh that, oh sure. that. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. And I can appreciate all that. Mm -hmm. So we've got um, Echo's nightmare, which is that she can't save her friends. Mm -hmm. yeah, which seems very hero-ish. Well, exactly what Echo. I would expect from Echo or Buffy or something. Yeah. Because she doesn't have or Angel her birth personality. Like um, Anthony and Priya are dealing with their real personalities, but there's no Caroline. Uh, that's right. So I, I thought that was very interesting. Oh, yeah. I don't get the Saran wrap. I really don't get the Saran wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, because they poke holes in it to uh, poke their brains, you know? Yeah, it just it doesn't make any like, sense. That's got to just go yeah. and be unsealed anymore. Um, 
And then who do we go to after her? Um, she, well, according to my notes, so she meets up with Dominic. Oh, right. So the Japanese guy? Mm, there is our stuff before. How okay. long do you think it took Dominic to gain control? And it was longer than it took Echo. Definitely longer. Yeah. yeah. I really loved the Dominic Echo stuff mm-hmm. in this episode. I know. I loved that they turned him around. If you would have told me that I would like in 10 minutes like Dominic, I would have told you you were crazy. Yep. Yep. I was just floored I, and, and and happy they did that. Yeah, happy. And I don't know why. Because they they set it up. He hated Echo so much mm-hmm. for so long, and I just I just love that they became allies. Yeah, I the I one know. thing I it really reminds me cool. of is the you know when they're all like chemically drunk on the campus. Mm-hmm. And he's like uh, trying to apologize for trying yes. to kill her. He's like, I mean, who does that? <laughs> and and so like they're like his base emotions are not that he hates her. And so I, that always intrigued me. And so when we see him in the attic, you're, it's it's very easy to believe that everything's changed for him. Yeah. Like when you yeah. find out, okay, he was on a mission. And I like how he's just like, well, I'm glad I didn't kill you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really liked their, their relationship and dynamic in this, in this episode. I, I like it when two people who were enemies or whatever at one time, like mm-hmm. come together and for like a single cause, yep. you know, I, agree. I always like that. Well, oh, yeah, and it's totally. funny because if you think about it, if he wasn't so against Echo because he feared what she represented and what she could be, she, she would have been the best ally for him, and he could have succeeded in his mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that he realizes that. Yeah. And now this is how he can, I don't know, succeed. I don't know. I just like it. I like yep. it a lot. So then there's the Japanese dude, which was creepy. Yeah. So, so in the stream state, they can just go to other dollhouses because he's in like a Japan dollhouse, right? Mm-hmm. He's not there. Right. It's like a cloud. Yeah. It's like cloud computing. So he's a doll. He's like Dominic. Yeah, oh. I think he was like a scientist for Rossum or something that got sent to the attic. Well, they said that they hired him to find uh, security breaches and flaws, and he found oh, them. Oh, that's right. And so in response to him finding them, they put them in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, that sucks. They're bad people. Now, his is a little interesting because he's not being scared to death. He's enjoying himself in a very creepy way. Like, literally enjoying himself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's hard to believe that would be your nightmare. It's more yeah. like they stuck him in a horrible situation. Like in mm -hmm. a horrible loop. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I that could just be like a cultural thing. Like the Japanese culture wouldn't want to make someone like be terrified the rest of their life. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, or like, maybe they found, you know, like Monsters, Inc., that pleasure is more powerful than fear. Right. <laughs> you know, um, that, that that if if you can make the mind want to stay, then they're not going to fight and reject it and then end up dying. And then you lose that mind from the processing power. If we're going with that whole we need more minds to make this mainframe bigger. Well, I'm just wondering if the Japanese don't want people to be terrified their whole lives. Why did they make the movie audition? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the Japanese do like to make good horror. That is one of the most terrifying movies ever. <laughs> I only saw, like, two scenes, and I'm ruined forever. <laughs> Well, that is debunked. <laughs> so then we'll go with the Monster Zinc theory. Yes. <laughs> as much fun yes. as to enjoy yourself and to be scared. And I, I have to wonder, all right, so would minds of very intelligent people like this guy and, and Clyde make the mainframe stronger and more powerful than say some schlub off the street that is not very intelligent or does it matter are all brains the same when it comes to making you know a human drobo i would have to say that no not all brains are the same <laughs> so well, they have yeah. to yeah Okay, cool. Yeah. Because the all brain's the same. It's it's like the the army guys being all the same. Mm -hmm. That's like a commentary on, okay, this type of person can be like like brainwashed into being the same as everyone else. But then the attic people are a little bit different. Okay. Like they're a little bit smarter. I don't mm -hmm. know. Is that mean to say? I, I don't want to offend. But you know what I mean? Like there's people who are just going to go with what they're told to do. And then right. there's people who won't. <laughs> so <laughs> you, the, know? you would have a propensity for more intelligent people ending up in the attic because right. their brains will fight through the architecture and figure things out more and right. just get themselves into danger. Yes, that's, well, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I could see that. Whereas like the army guys, they don't think much on their own anyway, so they, they've got a more propensity to just do what they're told. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's what all the movies and stuff say is that's, you know, that's what keeps them alive. Mm-hmm. Is by just following orders and not questioning it. Right. Yeah. Right. 
that's the media's representation, not exactly the reality of right. it, but yeah. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, purpose. exactly. Yes. <laughs> All I really know is the media representation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So for the purpose of this show, mm. I think that's like the commentary yeah. they're trying to make. I can see that. I, I'm so fascinated by the attic. Yeah. I did not care for Arcane. It, yeah. I found it a little uh, like a superstar. The monster and superstar. Just ah. kind of there because they feel like they need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So next we go to Anthony's. Mm-hmm. I think. And we get to see him doing the whole Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, he is himself thing. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one that thought of Star Wars? I think of Star Wars a lot. <laughs> I so know. I, I probably did. I just... <laughs> That's a great answer. Well, I think of Star Wars all the time. So, yeah, that has to be the answer. I'm thinking of Yoda right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what um, what scene in particular you're thinking of. Okay, when so he's like, walking around? No, when, when Luke is on Dagobah and he goes into the cave mm-hmm. and he fights Darth Vader and then he takes Darth Vader's mask off and it's himself. It's Luke. Is very oh, similar to yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Anthony going into the the shadowy uh, okay, structure, yeah, yeah, yeah. fighting, and then it's himself. I'm pretty sure I did think of that. <laughs> I don't remember. It's been a while scene. since I watched this. <laughs> I don't remember it in Star Wars. And it's it's so poetic to me because especially the whole idea that Anthony joined the dollhouse because he had PTSD, and so when you have PTSD or any uh, traumatic mental health issue, uh, your biggest enemy is indeed yourself. Yourself, right. I thought that was really cool. No, it was a cool scene. Yeah. And I can't believe they were twins. (laughs) So are you creeped out now that you know he's a twin? Totally. Totally creeped out. <laughs> <laughs> Twins are creepy. Apparently, it was um, uh, his brother, uh, Demir, I think is how you'd say it. I can't pronounce their last name, by the way. <laughs> we don't need to try. Because it's not a word. <laughs> it's, just, it's a name. It's just so weird. Just the letters um, together. <laughs> Um, (laughs) this was his first acting project like it's the first time he ever acted I thought that was kind of cool I don't think he's I don't know I don't think he's a a stuntman like um, Nicholas Brennan's brother they just were like hey can you come into the studio for a couple days (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm 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 looking him up on IMDb to see if he's done anything else. The uh, twin. Yeah. Now apparently he was in 
the legend of Shelby the Swamp Man playing himself. So, yeah, that's it. There's a story behind that. (laughs) That came out in 2013. Yeah, no idea. Never heard of it. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's it. That's his whole IMDb. (laughs) So he wasn't a stuntman or anything like that. And he's a real estate analyst. That's his day job. Oh, wow. There you go. That sounds boring. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds terrible. (laughs) So I thought Sierra's nightmare was horrible. Oh, man. That was so scary. That was so like a real nightmare. Totally. That was absolutely frightening. I... You know, a lot of... um, A lot of shows, they they do these these rape storylines, and they can be very upsetting. And, uh, you know, I mean, like this whole Mm -hmm. show, that's basically what it is. It's a big metaphor for that. But... The way that they've handled Sierra, it is the most horrible situation imaginable. Oh, man. But I don't hate it. Like, it doesn't feel exploitive to me. Whereas so often, like, in Veronica Mars, I mean, one of the seasons, it was just like, rape this, rape that, all over the place. Right, right. Investigating Mars, we're like, we just don't want to say that word anymore. (laughs) We're just going to say smart from now on. Like, that's how bad it was. And it just felt very exploitive. And I don't really feel that Priya's storyline is exploitive. It's more, this is horrible, and you should know that this is horrible. Right. No, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Emily hasn't seen Veronica Mars, but I know what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> and it does seem more exploitive in Veronica Mars because well because that's like a it's a more realistic situation than the dollhouse is yes yes well and it it's less about the people that it's happening to like it's Mm -hmm. not about characters it's about these are horrible things here and so like the storyline with Veronica in the first season makes a lot more sense because you, right. it's it's about it's about Veronica it's not about rape and so right. with Priya it's about Priya and that I think is the the difference for me at least well the other difference is that dollhouse has the sci-fi element to it yeah that we can kind of Not forgive or uh, it's just got that sci-fi element to it. Mm-hmm. So you can handle tougher topics. So you can handle tougher topics. Right? Yeah, you can't you can't relate it to real life on an entire level. You, right. You can metaphor you can metaphor right. it to real life, mm-hmm. but you can't equate it entirely. It's like yeah. the the Buffy 
spike attempted rape. Yes. It's metaphoric, but you could never compare it to something that actually could happen in real life because he's a monster that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Although many people have. <laughs> and that's a big controversy in Buffy. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Um, I think more people uh, of the fans at the time, I think more people were upset about the whole overarching dollhouse story and, and the issues with consent than they were about Priya's individual storyline. Right. If my memory serves me correctly. They, these... I don't understand. Maybe I just think differently and I don't have trigger problems and I haven't had anything horrible like that happen to me. I just feel like if a show treats it like it's bad, mm-hmm. you know, through the whole series, they're not making it look like a this great view of like some gentleman's club. Right. It's always horrifying. And if a story treats this kind of a subject like that, then it's it's a good thing. That that's my opinion. Because it gets the conversation going, and it gets you talking about it, and it gets you it shows you the dark side. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that was what Joss was trying to do. Like he wanted people to talk about these issues. And what better way to get people to talk about it than to make fiction? Oh, and, it's uh, totally made me think about the issues. Every single yeah. episode, I think about it. And that's that's my position, too. I, I'm there, It's not glorifying it. It's yeah. not making it no. into a good, great, just piece of entertainment. It's mm-hmm. telling you something about it. Now, I can't remember. Have both of you seen Firefly? Yes. Okay, so uh, Joss has also come under a lot of criticism about Inara's role. And Mm -hmm. that has always frustrated me as well, because I'm like, the way that he's showing it is, you know, she's in control and this is a different society and you get her stories and he's not saying anything's okay but there were also people who were upset. They're like, prostitution is rape. And I'm like, well, let's, let's, let's look at this from a, a different angle for a minute. So let's just step back from your world. And you have to put yourself in a different world. Right. Again, really it's a fictional it. world. And, I mean, she's one of the strongest characters on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's she's... meant as commentary. Right. Yeah, right. You know, you're supposed to talk about it. It does not mean... That he wants a world of, you know, prostitutes. <laughs> well, right. oftentimes, in these situations, you're always going to get someone that doesn't get it. Yeah. And oftentimes, they have a very loud voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who don't get it yes. normally have the loudest voices. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you talk loud... <laughs> people will listen whether you're making sense or not well and so many times like people will forget they won't realize or they will forget that just because somebody plays a character on tv doesn't mean that they are that character you see that happen a lot too you know like uh somebody plays oh, yeah. a bad guy everybody hates the actor oh and a gun got 
death threats. Breaking Bad again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the brother from the Wonder Years. Um, the guy that Wade. plays Joffrey. Yes, Wade. Wade. Uh, Wayne. Sorry. Uh, the sister or the not the sister the that obnoxious girl from Little House. Used to get people. Oh, Nelly. Nelly. Yeah. Used to get people like shouting at her and screaming at her on the street, and she's like. I was an actress. <laughs> That's not me. Oh, so did uh, Lori Holden, who played Andrea on Walking Dead. There you go. She got death oh, threats. Oh, yep. Yeah, same as Anna Good. Yeah. Which is horrible. And so I, they, I, think I think that a lot of times the problems that people have is that they can't separate fiction. Yeah. yeah. From... No, they can't yeah. suspend, you know, they can't. Believe it or not, can't... not everybody's smart. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing, you know. A lot of people can't like separate fiction from reality and yeah. And so a lot and, of people think Josh writes and about appreciate rape, the like metaphors rape. and appreciate yeah. the commentary yeah. that's being told, you know. Yep. I mean, yeah, she was a prostitute in Firefly, but I thought she was one of the most interesting and strong and I thought she was great. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know. She was great I really character. liked her. She had no problem being who she was, you know. Yep. She owned it. Uh, and that's empowering. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Agreed. So. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that. Because <laughs> we were talking about, oh, yeah. talking about Sierra. how Sierra's rape stories are actually handled pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And uh, the show... Like like I said, the, as an overall, the show, I think, I, I haven't been able to look, but I had a small conversation with Carol, my co-host on um, Freaks and Geeks. Kimley I can't cast? remember the name, of the, the name of the podcast. <laughs> we are rebooting. Well, reboot might not be the right. We are in talks about just getting it done, like, quickly. Okay. <laughs> I've been giving Carol such a hard time. <laughs> I know she keeps coming on. She's like, guys, can we just do this? I keep promising that we will. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, so like in, in Hooplecast is like, you know, it'd be really neat if somebody did a podcast about freaks and geeks. Like, Shut up. <laughs> We're doing it. We're trying. I don't know. Are you guys pod faded? No, we didn't pod fade. No. Ridiculous. <laughs> no, we may lose one. We haven't. They've dropped off of Facebook. We're trying to contact them. Ah. We may be short a member. But we're going to carry on anyway. That's just kind of like the nonsense is over. <laughs> we're going to do this if you're, you're in or out. Commit Hell or high water. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you can make it, you can make it. If you can't, we'll carry on. We have enough hosts. You guys still haven't done the D&D episode, right? No, that's the last one. That's what I thought. I think I'm on that. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. The guess? Yeah. I love that episode. Oh, man, I love it. I love them all. My favorite. If, if I ever just want to feel, like, good again, I'll just watch Freaks and Geeks again. Yep, totally. Great show. So good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> New episodes of McKinley Cast coming soon. <laughs> You heard it here, um, <laughs> 59th. 
time it's actually happening. <laughs> All right. So then we um we find Clyde, and we find out he's the bad guy. We yeah. find out he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's the one killing everybody. He's arcane. Oh, is he? Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah, because he's been... I, like, lays over a little bit the five points of this episode. He's been killing people for two reasons. To put them out of their misery, but also to weaken Rossum's mainframe. Yep. This is about where we were at, Em, when we discovered that our recording wasn't happening. So I haven't ever talked this out yet. I was was trying to explain it to you. (laughs) (laughs) That... (laughs) He was killing people because he was trying to weaken. So, so the idea is everyone in the attic. So their brains are like fueling or their, um, it's, is it like the batteries? Yeah. Or is it like no, it's like the RAM. It's like the RAM. So they're so, part they're part ROM and part RAM. So it's they're the hard drives and the memory of the mainframe. That just seems So the way just... I <laughs> The only because <laughs> it got a little bit too sci fi for me too. So the way I pictured it was the people in the attic are like, when you see like one of those old movies or like a cartoon or whatever, where like prisoners are like shackled and like all walking in a circle, like turning a wheel (laughs) that's like (laughs) making a a light bulb shine up above. Actually, a good analogy. <laughs> Seems like all these human brains would have too many variables. Did we already discuss that? Yeah, we we talked about that, but we, it was basically they don't need their personalities. They they and that they've wiped out the. They don't no, need just to, the human brain. Yeah, it's just the human brain, and they don't need to. Um, like waste mental energy on speaking, thinking, hearing and all of that stuff. And it's just kind of taken over by this big hive mind, like this big, big network. And okay, so maybe you guys were talking about this when Rob was distracting me with the cats. <laughs> so what is, what exactly is all their brains networking though? What I think now this is my headcanon because it's not exactly explained, but I think part of I think that it's like cloud computing, that part of the information is on all of these brains, but also these brains are all making the information work and making it so that they can access this information, and all of these chairs can work anywhere in the in the country, so it's like a big network. So you've got different servers in all the different dollhouses that can network together. Okay. 
to do what? I mean, or is this I think it the, runs the, the chairs. I think it runs the chairs. I think it holds all of their security information, and it's everything that makes what makes the dollhouse work work. I think okay. that Clyde's theory, and I don't know if it's true, but I think Clyde's theory is if they can bring down the mainframe, the chairs won't work. Right. Which I get. I get. Does this have, have to do with time. what Caroline knows? No? Yes, because they said there was a girl. Right. There was a girl that broke in and she got way too close. But he doesn't know what she found. That's where I started getting confused. I'm like, so Caroline's been in the attic? Well, she's been into Rossum somewhere. She's she been into Rossum. So, like, so she's maybe... been able to access the mainframe somehow. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I think she just stumbled in on some room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my thought. I, I don't okay, think so Caroline knows as much in as they think on... she Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, my, my brain's starting to kind of wrap around this whole idea. So she stumbled on whatever it is the what's the the brains in the attic are feeling. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's a you know you walk into a room and there's like a glowing globe and all their brains are making it glow. <laughs> 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 Still to see the people walk around pushing a wheel and make, old -timey movie making like Larry. one light bulb. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with like where the imprints and stuff come from, right? Say that again. So like what's going on in the attic has nothing to do with like where they're getting imprints to put into people. I don't think it has, yeah, I don't think that they're gaining okay. the imprints from the people. I think they've probably taken imprints of anybody that's gone into the attic. Um, but I think that, I don't think it has anything to do with the actual imprints, but more about the ability to imprint. Like, it, like it's that spark okay. that, okay. like, they have the personalities on the hard drives, and mm. they put the hard drives into the chair, but they need the mainframe calling it a mainframe is bad but whatever they need that network to give the chair the right spark so that it can actually do the imprint and i say spark okay, because okay. i'm i'm equating it to something indescribable you know kind of right. like what's the difference between a body that's alive and a you know just like functioning and and a fully human sentient person there is that spark that idea of the soul maybe so like that, okay. to me, is what the network is. Okay. Huh. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can we can wrap it up. So so they in, imprinted Paul with Paul. Oh, yeah. There's that whole Paul thing. It was, like, the easiest answer right there. Well, I thought I came up with that, like, the first few minutes that I found that he <laughs> had uh, gone brain dead. I'm like, well, 
wipe him. But the issue that they had to do was that they had to remove something from Paul. That's right. There's a mystery about what what do you think that they've removed? What did we decide? Like it was his love for her, for Echo? I think we did. I feel like we talked about that like when we first started talking. Um, yeah, because they imprinted him with Paul and then one of them said, like Topher said, except we, except for one thing or something. And I think we did come up with like his love, his, like the romantic feelings he has for Echo. Unless it's something more physical. How do you mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like he, he only has he can't four do toes karate now? anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. like he can't he can't function in the bedroom. <laughs> Just it doesn't. More like his ability to. I don't know. I think of like neurological damage. What can happen? Okay. When you get neurological damage, maybe mm-hmm. it's um, uh, yeah, well, I don't know, colorblind. Okay, as an example. <laughs> I don't think it's that, and it's obviously not like the use of his leg, mm-hmm. or I don't know. Yeah, and he's able to more... speak, so there's that. Right, it's yeah. not a speech. Yeah. Um. I have a feeling it's more of an emotional thing they took away. Mm. I I have this friend who uh, had a brain tumor, and she's had a couple of surgeries. And after one of the surgeries, she was, <coughs> excuse me, a completely different person. And hmm. it was very strange, and she was very cold, and and she lost a lot of friends because of it. Um, That'd and be then... so hard to deal with. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was very hard. And then she got her third surgery and suddenly she was back and she was back to the same person, but she lost everything between those two surgeries. Oh, wow. And here's so another she had thing. alienated she, people and she, and she, no she had no memory of it. She, oh, she oh, So man. her technical skills went from like late nineties, early two thousands to late two thousands. Well, how long she had to start between learning. the surgeries? Long time. Uh, it was several years. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so she had man. missed several years of, like, as she would say to me, she's like, "Yeah, I don't quite understand all of these things, but I know the basics. Like, I can write HTML, but I don't understand Web 2.0 and and the fact that that's already an outdated thing." And you know, she's like, "When oh, I woke wow. up, I was huh. looking around, going, where's my MySpace?'" Um. Wow. And it's like she thing, was a doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is that she had no memory of um, uh, thing, certain things that tied to certain things. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful because I'm talking somebody else's story. Uh, so, okay, anything romantic, and, and this isn't exactly it, but I'm just going to make it a little bit easier to tell the story. Uh, anything romantic, she lost all the memories. So she, even times before her first surgeries, there were certain memories that were gone because they were tied to a certain emotion. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's, 
brain is so weird. It's so weird. But she's back to the, the old person and, you know, has a, has a life and can function. And there's so many other people that have lost, you know, ability to hold jobs and things like that because they've had mm-hmm. things like aphasia right. or, um, you know, difficulty speaking, difficulty moving around, things like that. But the brain is wild. That's yeah. crazy. I'm assuming she wasn't married or in a long-term relationship. No, thankfully. Thanks, That's good. Um, and she didn't. She didn't have children. I do know of some people who have had traumatic. Because I, I did a lot of work with people with traumatic brain injury that they'd wake up and have no idea who their kids were. Oh man, I can't even imagine how hard oh. that is on the kids. Oh yeah. Oh, so sad. I mean, like it's bad enough when you're parent is old and has Alzheimer's and start, forgets you. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're actually young, yeah. So wow. that's terrible. But the brain is also quite resilient because these people have been able to rebound from things like that, you know, and they say that, right. You know, that it's amazing how many people can walk away from brain injuries and still have very productive lives and fulfilling lives. Hmm. So, I the whole Paul Ballard thing just makes me think of all of my work with people with traumatic, traumatic brain injury, and uh, yeah. Right. I assume uh, we're gonna find out what it is. Oh, we've got to. Maybe sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't say that. At not. No, it was too interesting. <laughs> it was too yeah, because yeah, I mean. But they is basically there anything? Tell is there anything? That if you lost it, you'd rather be brain dead. Well, an ability to love is one of them. Love anything. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship, but that's one. That's a big thing. Yeah. If if he if they took out his ability to love, like we kind of assumed, maybe they took out his love for Echo. If it's just specific. Love for Echo. Specifically Caroline. That's fine. Yeah, or Caroline. But if it's passion and love in general, that's that's pretty tragic. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, would you not know what you were missing? Right. Mm. Yeah. That's what's so messed up about the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the, the idea that you've got active architecture means that anybody could hijack your brain at any point. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's his big thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be open to that. Mm-hmm. So, in response to your question, I don't know, that's the closest thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great answer. I mean, if you yeah. took away my love of music, which is a big thing for me, I'd still say life would be worth living, but yeah, I'm. You're looking at someone that's a mother to little girls, mm-hmm. and, you know. <laughs> My life doesn't feel wholly mine anymore. So, if I could keep on going for them just because I miss my love of music or something, I, yes, life would still be worth living for me. That's awesome. I, those are great answers. I have nothing to say to them. <laughs> They're just, that's, that's a great answer. 
I, I think <laughs> I would have the similar thing. Like, if I couldn't love, what would be the point? Yeah. Um, I think that's... I'm a very passionate person, so it's mm-hmm. a big deal. Well, for me, I mean, the most important thing is your relationships, you know, yeah. and, and, and the yeah. people in your life. And if you can't have that, I, I don't see the point. But at the same time, the it depends on if you miss it or not. If you have no idea it's gone, I don't know. I don't know. You would have to feel some sort of weird emptiness, though. Yeah, and if you do, then that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, if suddenly I was wiped of loving my family, you know, like my dad and my sisters and my brother and my nieces and nephews and my husband and my dog and my cats, if that was all suddenly taken away... I would think I would still feel it. I, I think I would still feel like a weird emptiness, like mm-hmm. something was missing. Yeah. You know? Anything else in my life, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd miss it. Yeah, like you know? if, if they removed high school from me, I'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like if someone were to take away my love for, you know, like Emily said, like yeah. music or movies or something. I think I could get on and be just fine. Yeah. But it's the it's the relationships, it's the love, it's the people. I just I got to feel like I would even if I didn't know it existed before, I think I would feel a weird emptiness. Mhm. Yeah, and you think of, you know, 10 years of all that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to be like, okay, this is my new reality now. And then it's one thing to have to live that new reality for 20 years. Yeah, because yeah. like, it, okay, it almost if you feels like remember depression. people, that'd be one thing, because at least you could then build it up again. Right. But if you didn't have the ability to build up relationships again, I just, I couldn't. I don't think. Well, then you'd just be like a psychopath, right? That's what I would think, yeah. Like a sociopath or something like that, you know? Yeah, it does sound sociopathy. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> no. But they seem to be fine. Is kind of my point. Mm-hmm. It's like sociopaths don't really get... They don't get it. They don't know what they're missing. So they just... Right. They're fine with status quo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to think about. Yeah. yeah. So then the last thing is uh, DeWitt. The entire time we think she's she's punishing Echo. But in fact, she sent her there with a mission. Which is cool. Which is what I, I thought all like. along. You thought that all along? I did. I kept saying in the last couple episodes, I was like, I think she's got a plan. I think she's faking it. Yeah, and I was iffy, although the fact that Harold liked her was a clue. <laughs> Your movies so, are swaying I never. <laughs> I don't think I ever took that into I just, something just, I just had this feeling that she was faking it. And I... 
I think what mostly I thought about was Epitaph 1 and how she is with yeah. Topher. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. what made me think is that, no, I, I, I just think she's got a scheme. Yeah, we've you used know. Epitaph 1 a lot. Yeah. Yep. I I love this, like, roller coaster of, wait, we can trust her. No, we can't. Yes, we can't. No, mm-hmm. we can't. Yeah, what's going on? And uh, I I think it's, uh, it works really well. I never felt cheated. I never felt like, oh, you're just retconning this or, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling a fast one on us. You know, you're making us think this, but you're just doing some cheap trick. Like it always felt. No, yeah, it's always been legit. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's something that she came up with and is doing like a long con. Right. I think she just kind of does what she has to do for the better of, the L.A. Dollhouse, I really think that that is yep. her goal. Well, you know? uh, the, she's always, I don't know, always, but we've known for quite a while that she cares about, like, her word to the dolls. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of people around her don't seem to. Mm-hmm. And that's always spoke well of her. But on the other hand, she's been a little more pragmatic than you would want to see <laughs> in someone in a situation like she's in. But I don't. It's it makes me wonder her motives. The last few episodes where she's been doing some, you know, taking Tover's plans and giving it to Rossum and stuff. I'm very unclear on all that. Hmm. Suppose I'm supposed to be right now, but right. I think where we're supposed to be, and I'm glad that there's a record because I don't really remember all of my thoughts. But there's a record of where I've stood with Adele, <laughs> and it's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think of the two episodes as a whole together? I really like these two. I like them not as much as I've liked some. Mm. Like if there was like a little scale drawing of my pleasure watching, <laughs> there would have been a slight dip in these two, but not a real bad one, not a devastating one at all. I remember being very excited about the attic and very happy mm-hmm. to finally see the attic. Yeah, yeah. I was really stoked about the attic. I think the things I liked the most about the attic was the Echo Dominic stuff. Yeah, me too. And just getting to know, okay, this is what the attic is. I mean, yeah. I had my my preconceived notions of what it was, and. It wasn't at all what I thought it was, but I was super into what it what it ended up being. I liked it. Right. I'm with them. I could have done without the the guy killing everyone. Arcane or whatever it was. But after finding out what it was and who it was, 
I I liked it. Yeah, I just found that out a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, should we get into ranking then? Yeah. Or should As... we mention real quick how sad it was that Victor had to stab Sierra? Oh, yeah. That was sad. That was sad. Yeah. That that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Okay. So as far as ranking. M. Hmm. Do you think the attic was better than stop loss? Yeah. Okay, me too. And I put the I put the spreadsheet in the inbox. Um, I'll try and access it on my phone. My iPad died. Oh. So as far as as far as putting the attic in the whole realm of things. Gosh, I'm putting it like really like in the top five ish. I really like the attic. <laughs> I could probably do that, but it'd have to be pretty low on the top five. Well, or I'm me. thinking of putting it in between the public eye and the left hand. I think it was better than the left hand. I could do that. Okay. I don't remember our password. I'm just going to... I'm doing okay without seeing it. Okay. You come up with a place and I'll just ask questions if I need to. But for now, I'm good with putting it right before the left hand. Yeah, I think it's I think it's slightly better than the left hand. The public eye... Which one was that? That was the whole... Um, where we find out that Wesley, I don't remember his name in the show. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> is a doll and all of that. It might be better than that one. I don't remember specific reasons on that episode that would make it higher than the attic. Um, I mean, that was a good reveal. But... That was a good reveal. The Attic was a good reveal, too. Hmm. And they were both, you know, well-done episodes. Nothing to really... Yeah. Acting or writing-wise. Yeah. I don't... I think I'm going to put it... I think I'm still going to put Public Eye better than... <clears throat> Than the attic. Okay. I'm in. Do the attic in between the public eye and the left hand. So the attic will be number five. And then stop loss. 
I'm thinking of putting it like around kind of like in the man on the streets and needs. Yeah, that sounds about right. Instinct. Because we have, so instinct is number 10. So men on the streets is 8, needs is 9, instinct is 10, and then we have epitaph 1 is 11. I think stop loss is better than epitaph 1. Yeah. What, um, which one's instinct? Instinct was the, uh, the baby one when she... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's right around there. Yeah. I I think it's better than instinct. I do too. I think there's more interest in it. Yeah. For me at least. Yeah. I mean, it's a Victor centric. Um, that's good. Getting to finally see some backstory. Right. Right. No, I like it. I like it right above instinct. I think I think that's a good spot but for But I don't think I'd personally go much higher than that. No, I don't think so. So we'll put it in between instinct and epitaph one? Okay. Okay. Wait, is that F1 higher than instinct? Uh, no, you're right. That's what we did say. Okay. So it's in between needs and instinct. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it'll be number 10 is stop loss. And we put the attic as number 5, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was easy. Yeah. It's never as bad as I think it will be. I know, I know. Do we know what the next two are called? <laughs> I'm sure and Harold I'm, put uh, them at least somewhere. I'm sure I can find out for you. <laughs> can you tell us what the next two are called? <laughs> Give me one I'm, second. I just get Harold probably put them somewhere on the Sea Watches Buffy Facebook, and I'll never find it. Yeah, I remember on Netflix. I was not able to stop myself from reading the title. I didn't read the description, but I read the title. <laughs> I've forgotten it by now, though. <laughs> Waiting for it to scroll. Oh, yay. There we go. Stop loss, the attic. Ah, getting closer. Okay. And the hollow man. Ooh. Ooh. And those Ooh, are the that's last. I mean, not go no. ahead, what? That, he's lost his ability to love. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to go. But now he's just a hollow man. Yeah, I go for the uh the uh is not a T. S. Eliot poem. I don't the hollow man. Yes, like, T.S. Eliot. I remember, yeah, I remember, like, writing a paper about it, like, there, it's really creepy, like, we are the hollow men, we are the stuffed men. Hmm. Like, it's kind of creepy. Um, 
But I think you're Here right, we go. Emily. Uh, I've got it if you want. Oh, it's a long one. <laughs> Too tired. <laughs> Something Too tired. about straw. <laughs> yeah. We are the hollow, like, men. hollow men. We are the stuffed men leaning together, headpiece filled with straw. Alas, our dried voices when we whisper together are quiet and meaningless as wind in dry grass or rats eat over broken glass in our dry cellar. Shape without form, shade without color, paralyzed force, gesture without motion. Those who have crossed with direct eyes to death's other kingdom remember us if at all not as lost. Violent souls, but only as the hollow men, the stuffed men. And uh, there's like... There's like five a, more sections. There are like 20 yeah. more stanzas, okay. yeah. Yeah, but that that just gives you I like a basic gist. idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a creepy poem. Hmm. Yeah. But I think you're right, Em. The Hollow Man is Ballard. He's lost his ability to love. Yep. Well, you know, maybe it's just about a scarecrow. <laughs> or it's Or it's these Hollow Men that if you only had a brain. They're the hollow man. They're the stuffed man. <laughs> um. <laughs> that makes me think of Bates. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there are ten footnotes for this poem. Whoa. <laughs> it's quite the poem. I remember spending almost an entire um, semester like writing a paper about this poem. I probably still have it downstairs. <laughs> Um. <laughs> so if there are I... correlations to the poem, you will know it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thoroughly I been picked, analyzed. <laughs> I picked that thing apart <laughs> word by word for weeks. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I really think it's going to have to do with whatever it is that they took away from Ballard. Yeah. Something, something Ballard centric. Maybe it's his love for bananas. <laughs> Although the title would suggest it's more than that. <laughs> no longer a banana man. <laughs> I don't like bananas anymore. <laughs> you should what are these yellow me? things? <laughs> I have a potassium deficiency. Don't you know? I need my <laughs> Closer. Um, Just knowing what's coming, I guessing. Yeah, has to I be mean, Caroline. Yeah, just getting closer to taking down Rossum, or or getting closer as a team, because that is one of the last scenes that we saw was everyone kind of yeah. teaming up. True. So yeah, I'm gonna put it as that. Like they're they're all they're getting closer. They're gonna have like a retreat. <laughs> they're okay, I am gonna not have a, with that. A, a team building. <laughs> I think it's getting closer to the heart of Russell. Yeah, that's and what it is. Break it down. I'm excited yeah. to watch these. I am too. We finally get to watch them. Yay! Oh, we have to check and see if any of ours recorded. Oh, oh, that's okay because I've got, got you covered. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. 
So no matter what happens, I have a file. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. That was fun. That was that was a lot of fun. I think we probably went longer than you normally do. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sometimes when it's just us, we're like, well, that's all I have to say about that. It's We don't have someone prompting us about scenes that we just decide to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> but we have, on several occasions, recorded for this long. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, it's always interesting for me as a listener just to hear what you guys think, you know, going, this is why I love Intercast. I love hearing new takes on something that I've known for a yeah, while. Yeah, that's the beauty of them, for sure. Yeah. So I'm always very interested in what the newbies are thinking as mm-hmm. they go through it, because it's hard to put yourself back in the position of not having seen it. Yeah. Right, right. You forget your thoughts going through mm-hmm. a series. Yeah. Like my thoughts, yeah. I, I know vaguely. Yeah. You know, Once I was excited about something. Victor, but other than that, I can't tell you what I thought of the mainframe and if I thought it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think our, uh, when we do Firefly with, with Bronwyn, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, everybody's done a Firefly, but you need you need somebody new. Yeah, and Bronwyn's a fun one to have as a newbie. <laughs> she's, she's got interesting, she's got an interesting brain. She does. <laughs> well, and, and I think you guys uh, have mentioned it, but I think it's the right decision to just wait till she's ready to do it and not push it, because that will be an addition that will really make it good yeah i don't i'm not interested in basically for all of our joss whedon shows we have one we try and have at least we've always had one of us that hasn't seen it right yeah so have either of you seen cabin in the woods yeah oh yeah and we both saw it in the theater twice (laughs) (laughs) okay so you know how awesome that is all right awesome yeah Yeah. (laughs) that is one that we'd have to get a new person in because we even took b to that which is rare because she doesn't see scary movies oh that's right we did (laughs) come on you got what five other siblings (laughs) she's she's an in-law sibling oh in-law there you go then you got even more people Mama Bird, I bet, hasn't seen it. A mama Bird probably hasn't seen Cabin in the Woods. That's right. That's we went with a lot of our siblings. We went with Ben. Me, and... you, Kat, Ben, Cousin Steve, Bronwyn, and Matt. And then we went again. Did you go the second time when we went with Dan? Yeah. Okay. I went both times. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The second time was with Cousin Dan, and that's when Matt and B went. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so we already just... knew that the scares were had a funny edge to them. Yep. <laughs> I, I saw it in theater. I saw it in theater uh, theaters uh, when it came out, but my husband was away. So as soon as he came home, I'm like, you need to see this movie? <laughs> and he's like, but you've already seen it. I'm like, that's okay. This is a movie I can see twice in theaters. And he's like, wait, really? 
it's a scary, it's a horror movie and you want to see it twice in theaters i'm like yes now come with me <laughs> you'll know yeah and so, i and 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 i could not wait because well i had been hearing about kevin in the woods for years because <laughs> it was made so long before and and it was finally released and i was like ah he's not going to be interested it's probably not even going to be that good and then i saw it and i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah, I love it so much and every time I, I tell anyone about it I'm like it is great it's the best horror movie ever I can't tell you anything about it oh and if you don't like horror movies that's okay you can still go see it yeah well maybe we'll ask our listeners if anyone hasn't seen it they can join us <laughs> yeah yeah oh I would I own it on blu-ray I, I will watch it again Lots of Whedon alums. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Thor. And Thor, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for having well, me thanks on. Thanks for this coming. Great. Yep. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for putting up with our shenanigans. <laughs> Glad we got it. Glad we got it together. Yeah. So, Good. well... We right. should be back on track and recording next week again. Absolutely. Awesome. So right. if you want to send feedback, send it to suewatchesbuffy at gmail.com. So. Yep. <clears throat> we All have right. a send-off. We don't have a send-off on okay. this one. So. Bye. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Uchas. Thank you. Bye. What right. you should say as your send-off is you should just be like, you know, it's time for your treatment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Oh, we should have thought about that. As we come up, as we're nearing the end of the show. I know. <laughs> that's that where you need send-off. to have experts on so they can <laughs> yeah. come up with these things when the podcast starts. Yeah. Well, everyone, it's time for your treatment. <laughs> good night. <Okay. laughs> Did I fall Talk asleep? to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> For a little while. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
washing machine broke last week oh so last week and this week i've had to run to the laundromat and last week i did half the drying there because i had run out of quarters and i didn't want to 
break another 20. <laughs> so <laughs> I took half of it back to our wa- our dryer. And today I would have had to go to the ATM and get more cash. And I'm like, nope. So I just am drying it all at home. And <sighs> it sucks. <laughs> uh, yep. I've been there. Everything's wet. And I'm like, uh. I need to dry everything. We go through a lot of laundry. I can imagine. Rob and (laughs) Eleanor do. Scout and I are normal people. (laughs) (laughs) Rob changes three or four times a day. So does Cam. Cam changes his socks like three times a day. That's a lot of socks. Yeah. My husband changes like... I guess he wears two outfits every day because he's got his uniform and then he's got, like, whatever clothes. But a lot of times he'll just reuse shirts, so <laughs> it's That's not nice. Too, too Mine does a little, too, but he's got workout clothes. He yeah. goes to the gym in the morning. That, and too, then... yeah. But my husband he... also takes, like, three showers a day, so. Mm-hmm. He... Yeah. We do... Maybe two. <laughs> we waste the water in showers, not wash. <laughs> he also has to wear scrubs to work. And he's well, we're going to reuse those. You don't want him. Yeah, no. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> and Eleanor takes care of a lot of uh, bedding and yeah, <laughs> yep. bibs. Oh, the bibs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, then Scout and I are normal humans that create a normal human amount of laundry. 